Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Just the reigning, defending, undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world. It's time. Can I kick it? 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 To all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, did you really know what live was? Comprehend to the track force. Why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz. Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug. If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug. Afrocentric living is a big shrug. A life filled with that's what I love. A lower plateau is what we're above. If you diss us, we won't even think of. We'll nip of the dog and give a big shove. This rhythm really fits like a snug glove. Like a box of positives, it's a plus love. As the trial flies high like a dove. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Refine the Line podcast. Today I have on one of my great friends, Kelly Winner. Kelly is the head basketball coach at Ohio Dominican University. We got into his background into basketball throughout high school, uh, into college, what kind of led him into coaching, and what it's like being a head coach now. He has been the head coach at Ohio Dominican going into his second year, what it's like actually coaching a team into and with coronavirus, what kind of the limitations are, how recruiting's been affected, how recruiting even works for people that are into Division Two basketball, and want a little bit more background. This uh, podcast was very, very insightful, and I learned a lot myself. As always, if you do like what you hear, please like and subscribe. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere more podcasts are heard. Without further ado, here's Kelly Winter. We're live. Welcome, buddy. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. I thought when yeah. you texted me about this, I thought it was going to be a crypto talk or some portfolio investment talk like we usually talk about. So this is this is great. Oh, it could be. You're the one that reached out to me about that <laughs> last great. time. This so great. welcome. Um, I'm going to start you off with a real easy one. Yep. What, what I like doing on these is kind of getting some background history. I obviously know a lot about you, probably more than the average person <laughs> just growing up. I think we got like a, what would you say, 25 year? Yeah. What is it? Uh, fifth grade basketball. Is that right? Might even be earlier than that. Fourth grade, maybe. So what? What are we? What are we that? Twelve. Our 11, parents 10? went to the same high school. Yeah, they went to Whetstone in the seventies. So, I mean, it's probably even younger yeah. than that. I don't remember. Yeah, Some, something wrong. Yeah. Fourth, fifth grade. Um, my very first question for you, though, where did you get the name Boo? Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> and to follow up before you answer this too, because I actually have, you know, my own nicknames from Dublin. But when somebody calls you that, do you um? Is the first thing you think of this person's from Dublin? Usually now it's a brother's friend. So pretty much the only people are my parents, my, my dad, my brothers, and then their whole friend groups, both of theirs, call me Boo. And I don't know where it started. <laughs> Just one of those childhood childhood nicknames my dad came up with. And as you know, everyone decided of the older pe- the older class, Corey's class and Kyle's class, it was all Boo or Booster. So that that's where it all started. So I'm Boo to them, even though I'm 31 years old. I'm still Boo. And... <laughs> 
Austin Weaver. I think you know Austin Weaver. He is the main culprit. It's still Boo every time he calls me, texts me. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's stuck with that generation for sure. I actually so um, I would say I don't get on Facebook or social media. I do, but not as much as I used to. And I haven't seen Austin Weaver or a picture of him in probably five years. And I randomly saw one yesterday with uh, Trey Fairchild's dad. What's his name? I totally forget him. But I name. saw yeah, I saw a picture with him and like Trey out of nowhere last night. And uh, I was like, man, I haven't seen Austin Weaver. Yeah, he's killing it. He's so. like a, he's up in Baltimore. Under Armour. Under Armour. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty so. high up, and like he's, he's doing big things there. Like he's good for him. Yeah, you'll see him in Notre Dame's like conference room, sitting down with their coaches, talking about jerseys and MLB. He had that whole um, contract with them, I believe. So he's he's doing he's doing big things over there. Good for him. Um, Under Armour. I mean, that's that's really cool. Living mm-hmm. in Baltimore and stuff. Uh, shout out to the Wire. <laughs> but uh, is uh, Corey still pretty good friends with him? Yeah, yeah, there's still talk. Last time I saw them was Corey's wedding. Was that a year ago, two years ago now? Yep. So having the crew back together, that, that that's a unique group. I don't know if you know Josh Phoebus. I know the name. Austin I don't know him Weaver well. And some of those Where's guys. Phoebus from? He went to Kaufman. He played football at OU. That's right. He was a quarterback yeah, yeah, yeah. at OU. Yeah, so he's uh, He was quarterback at Kaufman too, right? Yep. 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 I remember so that, that whole group. It was, it was fun to have him. But yeah, Austin Weaver and I talk probably once every couple of weeks just checking in. And it's like a brother to me. So he's, uh, he's doing well. Nice. So dad randomly came up with Boo. Nothing behind it. No, just nothing happened. behind it. Yeah, Boo and Booster, and there's so many deviations from it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a Scioto thing, <laughs> brother's friend thing. I don't think a single one – I think you might be my only friend that calls me Boo. Chrome a little bit, I think, but I think I think you're the only one. I just had it like – it's funny because I just – I have it in my phone, and it'll never change. Like, whenever we interact, it's always <laughs> Boo. It's not Kelly. I think your spoon's just in my phone. See? I think. And I still have, like, Bushams in mine and all the other guys. <laughs> doesn't change once you're in there like if you're part of like the core 20 of my first like contacts your <laughs> your yep. names are not changed whereas if you put contacts in now it's probably first and last name first so you, usually like how i know them some company they work for some school they're at or something like that exactly yeah, some, a, some way to identify it's a little more professional now you'd say <laughs> um so a lot of this is obviously gonna be about basketball yep. um i kind of want to get into basically your roots uh about you know how you you know grew up in sports how you you know grew up in hoops how you identify because you um you know we're both from dublin uh you're the youngest of three boys i obviously have a couple brothers too um but how did you kind of you know grow up through sports i know your dad was obviously very instrumental and big and in, in baseball and both your brothers were uh big baseball nuts i feel like with you or tell me a little bit about it but i feel like with you you were you know younger you were definitely very much into baseball as well as basketball but you definitely kind of you know, towards into high school, you definitely leaned way more into basketball. Yeah, so. I think he kind of spoke on it. My brother's being so heavily involved in baseball. My dad obviously works in baseball now, minor league baseball. And we, I was, it was just kind of pushed on me as, at a young age. Um, the Jaguars, my dad, the organization my dad started, played up, with, played up with them for a couple of years and then played travel ball with Dublin. And it was baseball was always like the number one priority to them. We, we could play whatever we wanted, but it was always like we're thrown outside at night and playing baseball. And I think it got to a point, uh, you, I mean, you get it, middle school, just like the game itself, it's so hard. For me, it was so hard to like stay engaged and stay with it and be enthused to go out every day to take BP and field ground balls or, or throw a bullpen. It was just like, man. And then as I got older, I kept like questioning, like, you don't have to be that athletic or that really talented to play this game. I still, I still kind of believe that truthfully. And this, I always held that against the game wrongfully. It's so funny. I talked about this yesterday with with my staff. Um, kind of shared a story of high school, um, my freshman and sophomore year. I thought I, th- I thought I was a pretty good baseball player. And uh, well, you were, and I feel like 
you were one of those kids growing up that were just kind of naturally talented at a lot of mm-hmm. different things. I really didn't work that hard at baseball, and I just thought I was naturally whatsoever. Nat- I thought I was pretty naturally talented, and I got to high school, and, and I thought I deserved to be on varsity or JV at, at a young age, and God bless Phil Callahan. And now I get to be on the coaching world. I, I definitely understand now that like I bet. he wasn't budging. If I didn't do things his way or the system way, if I wasn't sprinting on off the field or sprinting from the dugout after I struck out, like I wasn't ever going to get an opportunity. And it took me two years to mature and grow and finally – buy into the system and because we're talking about as a staff about guys that we need to buy in more in our, in our program yep. and it makes complete sense now and he won and it was proven over and over and over again with district titles and regional titles and it's like yep. he wasn't changing for me and just our thing right now in our program is is a player is no bigger in the program and the program always wins it's always going to outlast the player the player graduates and so uh and I was sharing that story again and it was like back it's like man how far I've come and just being in the coaching world kind of forced me to do that um, but it's been uh, kind of reflecting back on those baseball days just because I, I didn't really enjoy it and I didn't know why I wasn't playing and why, why I didn't get the opportunity. But now it's like it's, it's crystal clear. Well, when you think me and you are both actually very good examples of that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but when you think about it, it's, it was basically half our lives ago because hmm. I remember when we we're 15 years old and being freshmen in high school, and we we're like practicing with the varsity. And you and I, I mean, we didn't even sniff. I never even, you know, eventually got there like you did, but we didn't even sniff the varsity our first no. couple of years. And we felt like we belong. Exactly. But like, it's just like, like I said earlier, Callahan has a way to do it. And at, at the time as 15 and 16 year old so kids, immature. you don't get it yeah. and don't understand it. And people are telling you, but you still don't understand it. But now it takes, and I think that's what a beautiful part of coaching is like now I'm thankful for Phil Callahan and how he treated me and how he kind of made, made me go through the mud and he's a big part of what kind of why I coach the way I coach now and his philosophies really resonate with me still. So you don't really have that maturity or clarity back then, but now I sure do. We were always much more prepared. I feel like than other schools, oh, yeah. it could be basketball or baseball. And yep. I feel like it was, you know, if you were a parent and you're watching that, like our parents, I think they, you know, it's night and day when we took the field and the other teams took the field without question. And Basuti and Callahan, I mean, those are both high end coaches at the high school level. I yep. mean, those guys are coaches of the year in the OCC and district and Price State. I don't know if Basuti might have won coach of the year, maybe Cali won coach of the year in the state a couple of times, but I mean, we had the preparation and privilege of being under them. Like though they ran like a college type program. Without question. Did, uh, would you say leading into, you know, kind of your love for basketball, obviously we've, we've played basketball together since I think fourth grade we were mm-hmm. talking about, but um, would you say that for a while and I actually was thinking about this when I was trying to set up this podcast with you over the last week or two um would you say that for a little while like you mentioned that it it didn't take a lot of talent necessarily in your head to be good at baseball but obviously your your dad was very much into it your both your brothers were very much into it at a very high level would you say for a little while um at least a part of your life and I don't know how you feel about it anymore but would you say you resented baseball for a little bit yeah, uh, I figured. You. I don't know if I should share this, but <laughs> it was my sophomore, junior year. I can't remember. I think it, it was was one of those. And I told my parents, "I'm done. I'm done playing." And they, for like the only time they've ever, this is it goes against the way they grew us up and what they believe in as parents. And they kind of like did an ultimatum said, "If you don't play baseball, you can't play basketball." <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> those are fight words. And I don't know if that was going to my sophomore, or junior. Year. I don't remember. But so like ever since at that point. It's like, okay, I'm doing this just to pl- not please them. But, like, the only reason I'm doing this is so I can play hoops. So that added to me, like, not putting a lot of effort into the game. And we had a good junior, senior – junior year really good, and senior year was – it was what it, it was. what it was. But I remember, yeah, my mom and dad said, if you don't if you don't play baseball, you can't play hoops. And they told me I owed it to my brothers. God, so it must have been 
no, I said I owe it to Corey. So Corey is one year older. So it must have been my sophomore, junior year. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to see us in the field together and blah, 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 and that stuff. So they kind of dangled that over my head. And that probably added to my resentment towards the game. That's interesting because I actually ver- share something. I'm, ver- actually, I'm really glad you shared that, actually, because <laughs> I share something interesting. Because I feel like my dad also was very much into baseball. He mm-hmm. played college baseball, too. But I felt. Where do you play at? Uh, Brockport up in it's a New York New State York. school. Yeah, SUNY or whatever it's called. Yep. Um, and I felt like, and I've never really, I sort of have told him this, but not really like directly. But I feel like a lot of my last year that I actually played for Sayota, I played for him. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't really want to disappoint. Yeah. But I was just like so done with it, kind of like you. At least you're playing for something though, you know. Like, I it's know. better than I know. It's better than no motivation at all. They're just like showing up every day for no reason, for, for for no rhyme or reason. So. Yep, exactly. And it's not that we like, and I think you probably share this with me. It's not that we didn't appreciate our parents and how right. much they put that on us. Um, because for a while, and I would say, um, you know, when I, we were fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I really enjoyed baseball. But in high school, it was very much business like. Yeah. And if you were not into it, if you didn't love the game, it was not enjoyable. And I think we kind of experienced that as a freshman that, and we see it at the college level even, like every guy we recruit was the best player in their high school team, the best player in their conference, one of the better yep. players in the area. And when we got into freshman year, like we're, we're not the, we're not the dogs anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're bottom of the totem pole. We got to earn stuff. We're like we're, we're physically yeah, not we're, mature. We're not developed. We're not developed yet. So I think like we went through that after like kind of, I don't want to say sleepwalking, but, but, you know what I mean? Like walking through travel baseball and Legion or uh, middle school baseball, it was easy for us. Then we get to, to high school and we're playing against like 18 year old verge of men. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, like we're not, we're not what we thought we were. Well, there's a lot of guys too. basketball as well. Um, I remember bas- baseball for sure, but basketball without question, when you started playing some of these guys and we were 14 and 15 and you had, unfortunately didn't have the, lu- you had the um, unfortunate luxury of being about, I think you're about nine months younger than me. So mm-hmm. you're you're even less developed. Behind, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, what I would say is that when you right when you know you go from we were dominant in our I would say middle school years, and you go from that to actually being just scrawny. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being like six one six two and one hundred and forty five. I'm like, this is like what we got no chance. Like, yeah, and and I was a late grower. I didn't grow yeah. up till like junior senior year even. So I, I remember being like five six five seven going to freshman year and like, man, this is this is a whole new ball game. So when did uh, like kind of crossing over a little bit too? When did you um, you mentioned that you know the story about your parents and them kind of forcing baseball on you? Yeah. And then obviously you did it because you loved hoops, and you just felt like it was something to deal with and uh, you know whatever. When did you when did it kind of click for you that hey you know one I'm 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 good at this basketball thing two it's a lot of fun and three it's now it's kind of my priority. And when it clicked, I would say um, would it would it, would you say it was before or after you grew? I would um, say sophomore year. Okay, I remember got an opportunity at Sciota. I think even started a couple games. I think LJ was out or some point guard was out. I remember it. that actually. And I remember like I they threw me in the starting lineup a couple times sophomore year early in the year. And I then remember, like, okay, I kind of belong here, and I like, I really like this game. I can play. I can play a little bit. The year didn't go quite as I planned as a starter. Um, my minutes kind of dwindled off, but I remember like that kind of sparked me. And then going into that summer, we lost a couple of seniors. I think Clark Crum was one of the only seniors that following year was one of the I upperclassmen. Was, I think it was Clark and Doherty. Clark Doherty. I think Chris McClain came back out, but I don't think it was in the summer. And I remember, like, okay, yep. like, we lack a little leadership. We lack experience. We lack – uh, a couple other other things that, that I didn't think we had. I'm like, okay, like this is an opportunity now to 
one, be a leader, and two, kind of like expand my game and grow my game a little bit to try to earn something. And I remember I had a pretty good junior year, and then obviously we had a lot of success senior year. But I think a little taste of it sophomore year, and then Basuti was Basuti was kind of as he got older, he kind of gave you a little more rope, a little more rope. And I think just the whole combination of those things um, and the success we had, and ultimately ended up with senior year. Um, I think that kind of triggered a trigger triggered a spark for me. I was gonna say. I, I thought going into yeah, kind of the sophomore to junior year, right in between. I think that's when you actually realized that you were actually pretty good. Yeah, and I think like um, I came with your, physical maturity as well, and you were confident. I think I got armpit hair yeah. then, and maybe a beard or whatever. <laughs> so I think I th- leg hair and all that stuff. So girlfriend, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think yeah, that was that was a part of it, and then as baseball kind of it was kind of a inverted trajectory. Best baseball, my my interest in baseball went down. I think my love for basketball went up. So that's a uh, that probably had something to do with it as well. Nice. Um, what would you say? And I'm gonna hit you with this, and then we'll talk about it after. Yep. I I wrote down three random moments in high school hoops. <laughs> you have to pick one. Okay. Or okay. We could, or maybe I like this. maybe we'll talk about all three after like the fact. This. I like this. All right. F- top three favorite moment in high school hoops. One, winning the OCC our senior year and being named All OCC. I believe you're All OCC. Yep. You and Austin. Um. To the Jeff Cumberland dunk, thanks to Clark Crump. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody nose, broken nose, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, three, Barlow walking in on Coach Basuti <laughs> and the John and the coaches. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got you to pick one. Yeah, we'll talk I'll about just this. say, obviously, the first one resonates still to this day and <laughs> the whole the whole team component of it. And that morning, I remember we won that. I remember I twisted my ankle really bad in that morning walkthrough. I remember Blair Gorniak tried to take a charge in like a morning walkthrough and I came down on his ankle. Yep. And I remember, like, just what I do that day to just to be able to play. And we had a really good game against New Albany, right? In I, don't, that, in I, don't rem- I don't remember that. That's <laughs> Yeah, I came down yep. my ankle. I remember I had to wear an air cast okay. um, and all that's an air cast. And I remember I, I, like, lived in the training room all afternoon just to be able to play and suit up. Was this game one of the year? Senior year? Or just a, no, this is the very last game against, against New Albany. Albany at our place. I actually have a great memory with that. At, so at I'll our talk, place. I'll talk about so, that's awesome. So, I didn't know about this. Yeah, and I, I came down his ankle. We tried to take a charge and shoot around, and which – that's a whole nother conversation, but uh, yeah, I remember staying at the training room all day, and I think Chris Troyer was his, our trainer's name, I believe. Okay, he did a great job. Just we were ice and stem, ice and stem, ice and stem, and then air cast and some some progression drills, and yeah, I could barely walk in that thing come game time. But I, uh, it's kind of amazing how much you can recover. Yeah, it was um, it was it was crazy. I mean, adrenaline once once adrenaline took over because I think the win, I think if they won, we tied, mm-hmm. and if we won, we were outright. I believe it yeah. was a scenario. So this is the crazy thing about the. The senior, like bringing it right back into the, I'm going to bring it right back into the New Albany, but our senior year, our team was so dominant, but we were in such chaos for a lot of the year. And it's funny because the longer I get away from it, the more I actually really enjoyed it because it was, it was not an easy year by any means. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why, but, um, getting into that game, I remember, I think that was the game where everything clicked for us because I'll never forget this. I believe the score going into the fourth quarter against New Albany, and they were the second-best team in our league. We played 10 league games, and that was the last league game of the year, and New Albany was 8-1, and, and I think we were 8-1. We were 9-0. 9-0, okay, because I was going to say we had the Mount Vernon loss. That was the only loss we had, yeah. Yep, but we were 9-0, and and I remember we were going to New Albany, and they were so fired up, and you'd get on the J.J. Huddle back then. <laughs> <laughs> All these people are talking shout out, shit. Shout yeah. out J.J. Huddle. Shout out J.J. Huddle. Um all these people are talking mess and how they're going to beat us and yada yada. And I'll never forget going into the fourth quarter, the score being 42 to eight. 
At, at New Albany. At New Albany. They had eight points. I, mean, I remember... Um, eight points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> one of the kids, Peters was his last name. His dad was a coach at Ohio, Ohio State, State back yep. in the day. And I remember... I think Basuti told me this after we graduated or that. I can't remember, but I remember Peters was at that game. Obviously, a college coach at the Big Ten level, like, knows knows his stuff. Yep. And Peters told Basuti that was the best defensive performance he's ever seen at, at any level. That's, and that's, kind of, that's come from a Division One big-time Big Ten coach. He he actually was a head coach at somewhere. I forget. Was in he? D1. I okay. think it was a smaller Mac okay. school he, he or passed, something. He's passed away since, but I, but he told Basuti. Then Basuti t- later told me that, that that was the best defense performance he's seen at any level. That's awesome. In his whole life. I it nev- was 42-8, to eight, really. And it was 42-8. to eight. I'll never forget this. I think they finished with, like, 18. But I don't remember um, that at all. I'd, I'd love to find that box score somewhere if we can. That'd be, I, that'd, that'd be great. I would love to find that box <laughs> score, and I would love to find – like if they had a breakdown of the quarters because it was – I'll mm. never forget that. They could not score on wow. us. I don't remember that being that score. but Second best team. I remember the, the hype. People thinking the they were really good. Yep. And I remember we kind of walked into the chip on our shoulder and – because we changed, con- yeah, we changed conferences that year. We changed conferences every damn year, man. Yeah, it was so ridiculous. That was, we couldn't, I mean, couldn't keep a rivalry going. A bunch of smaller, newer schools. Now they're all like normal, big time schools. Grandview Heights. Um, no, 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 no. Wasn't it? It was Big Walnut, Watkins. I knew it was Watkins. And I knew Big Walnut. Franklin Heights. Franklin Heights is what I'm thinking of. Okay, New Albany, us, and I think a brand new Liberty. No. Could be. Brand, a a we, brand new Liberty or Olin Tangier. So I, I, I can't remember. We might have just played them. Orange wasn't around. It no, would have orange been, wasn't around. Yeah. All it was was Liberty and uh, OG. Yeah, at that time, I have been Liberty. They might have thrown Liberty with us, but uh, yeah, it was a bunch of like smaller schools back then, and yeah, we we definitely ran away with that thing. And I remember New Albany. He said JJ Huddle, and there was a lot of hype around oh, who, yeah. they, who who they were and some of the guys they had. And yeah, I remember I remember being really fired up going to that game, but I don't remember that score exactly. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, really cool. No doubt. It's fun actually doing this because I feel like we haven't had this level, high level of conversation mm. about it in Mm-mm. 12 years. No. Um, we just wanted to play video games back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we didn't want to talk about this stuff. Triple T trash talking <laughs> tournament. Uh, shout out animation glitch. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jeff Cumberland Duck, I do want to ask you about this. Yeah. Was that the hard? I feel like anybody who's played basketball against men that can actually throw it down, was that the hardest you've ever been dunked on? That was the hardest dunk, yeah. It was a three on, <laughs> three on one break. I think he was in the middle leading Clark the Crumb. break. Clark Crumb. Clark turned it over, right? Yep, at the top of the key. Turned it over on, on the point guard. I got back, and he was a three on one. Cumberland was leading the break in the middle. Was he 6'6, six, six, probably 6'5? Six, 6'5, five. 6'6. Six, five, six, six. Future NFL tight end. He was. Eight years. Eight year tight end. New York the, Jets. Even, New York Jets, yeah. Decent career. Yep. Uh, I mean, you play eight years in the NFL. Yeah, You're yeah. a monster. Yeah, and he led the break. I was expecting him to like drop it off or look me off one way, but he he took off from a step inside the free throw line and gave me a bloody, <laughs> I think his knee or his groin, I don't even know what it was. Knee, groin, shin, all of it, maybe, I don't even know, foot. You might have jumped high enough, it could be his foot. I'll never forget that dunk. <laughs> I remember, I, I think that, it was a scrimmage. I remember they just stopped, the, I, I came out of the game and like had a you went straight into bloody the wall. nose. Bloody, bloody I probably something. had some type of broken nose, but yeah, that was the hardest <laughs> I've ever been dunked on. I just, and I wasn't expecting it at all. If somebody has a video of that, <laughs> I would love a video because it was phenomenal. Yeah, that was wild. Um, that was wild. And we have so many little things that went on. But Bar- Barlow walking into the Basuti's <laughs> office. Was, uh, I don't know if I remember that one. Uh, well, obviously we didn't witness it, but I'll never forget. I think it wasn't even Basuti. Oh, talking about the coach's office yeah, back yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, It wasn't yeah, even yeah. Basuti who told the story. It was Jantonio. <laughs> so I think my favorite part of actually playing basketball um, in high school. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'd like to ask you this too. What was your favorite actual part of playing basketball in high school? Um, for me, it was more of honestly just scrimmaging each other. Yeah, Which I, I loved, really liked. Um, shout out Torsky, shout out Bush, <laughs> shout out who else was in that Zooty Zone. Zooty Zone. I mean, yeah. that made our experience our senior year. I mean, we never really yeah. had that type of student section, 
And I think that made our and the more we won, the bigger it grew, and the more the more kind of momentum we had. I don't know what game it was, but that one game where it was thumping, and we was all the way to the top, and yeah. like that was probably. I think that was the highlight of my high school basketball career. I remember like jumping to the crowds and throwing shirts in the crowds and like, yep. and we just feasted off of them and they gave us so much life with, with what they did and Torsky being the way he was, on, he was on the floor, like leading the chance. And even, I mean, before, was, even before the games too, like, you know, we would talk about it during school. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there was a buzz. There was like a real buzz it around was. one because we were pretty good and two, like what they did and the kind of the, the investment they made. And then we'd always go to like McDonald's after the game, or I like know, go go yeah. play SOCOM or video game or whatever it was. Like, but those guys, like the time they put in, and and there was theme nights and the T-shirts made, and they were a part of it. And it was, uh, I think that was really cool. Like the school camaraderie and spirit during that winter. And our girls' team was really good too. At the, I mean, they our were. women's team was loaded. I know we were it, both top five in the state. Four or five college <laughs> basketball players. I mean, Crystal was like almost Miss Ohio, or she might have been first team all state or whatever it was. But like. There was a real buzz in the halls during that year. I think it's probably the best. I mean, basketball, women's and men's side. Yep. I don't know if any other sport that year had the success we had. We were. We were. There's no way. And it was just really Too cool to be a part of that and 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 just share that with with we had seven seniors, six seniors, yep. a sophomore class that was seven new seven with Tim, yep. seventh Chrome, a sophomore class that you knew was going to be really good at a lot of things. Yep. And to share that with them and kind of bridge that gap. Um, and with the student section and everything and the support from the staff and teachers and faculty, it was, it was really cool. We were, I think that was, um, you know, we were, our, the whole school that whole winter was buzzing because, I mean, it was really fun to be a part of. Um, yeah, and just kind of being a mentor to those guys. Um, I thought it was, really it was too, like, shout out to the Zooty Zone guys because I thought it was cool too that they did that. And we were, I mean, when it came to the football games, which they were much more, you know, Torsky and stuff was much more big on. We were not. Yeah, we did not return that. <laughs> Luckily, the favor was not returned. We were I mean, selfish pricks. I mean, they were uh, <laughs> obviously basketball second, but yeah, I remember like going to half. We had to park cars for baseball. We'd root for the other team. For a while. <laughs> and then I, I remember, I don't know if we stayed past the halftime that entire year. No. I mean, we weren't we weren't great supporters of that group, so that, that's on us. But yep. like I said, we just wanted to go back and play SOCOM or play video game, <laughs> whatever we did back then. So, but yeah, we uh, we did not we did not return the favor, but the fact that a lot of people did come come the winter season was really cool. I agree completely. Um. So moving on to a little bit of the stuff that I actually don't know as much about. I can tell you a little bit, yeah. you know, all, all up through age 18, 19. But uh, you, uh, first year, uh, if I remember correctly, you went to Tennessee. University of Tennessee. Yeah. Go Vols. UT. I've actually always wanted to go there. Rocky Top, baby. Did you ever go to a football game? Every, every home game we had there. Every home game? Yep. I've yep. always wanted to see that the, cool. the That was cool. I bet it was awesome. But you were a – you are a manager, right? On the basketball I was team? a manager down there, yeah. That yep. was a – when they were, they were there with Coach Pearl, Bruce Pearl, when they were really good. I mean, they had yep. Chris Lofton, Wayne That's actually the first name I wrote down. So, du- like, I wrote notes on, like, Chris Lofton, Tennessee manager. <laughs> I mean, they had <laughs> – Yeah, they were good. They had All-Americans. They had All-League guys. And Duke they, Cruz, I think, was another Duke name. Duke Cruz was there yep. way back in the day. Um, who else? Was Tyler Smith transferred from Iowa. He was, like, a four-star recruit, really good player. Yep. And to be a part of that for, for the semester that it was, it was uh, – it made me miss the game even more, and I think it kind of – catapulted me to have the career I did at Capitol, but it was really cool to be around that high level of program. I and mean, Bruce Pearl still did like Auburn. He's, he took Auburn to, to top 10, top five team in the country the past couple of years. They're, they're, a, they're a top 10, at worst top 15 program. And a couple of their yep. assistants, one's now the new head coach at Wake Forest. He had a ton of success at... Um, he took over for, uh, who was there, Danny Manning? I believe so. Not you two chatting. He was at Tennessee State, and they, if you look at their record, they were winning 23, 23, 24, 25 games every year. They're always like the top of the list, like mid-major bubble busters. And then... 
the head manager when I was there was an assistant under his, his Steve Forbes, was the head coach, Brooke Savage was the manager and he's kind of followed him around. And now they're the head coach and one of the lead assistants at Wake Forest. So like the, the people coach Pearl had under him yep. on the manager side and on his staff, Jason's Jason Shea, he's got a head coaching job. So he might've taken over Tennessee state when coach Forbes left. So like everyone on that staff has had success, has won, has built programs that have won 25, 26, 27 games and made pretty good runs in the NCAA tournament. He is, when you listen to Bruce Pearl, I mean, he is just a fantastic motivator. You can tell. Obviously, his recruiting. His charisma. Charisma, recruiting, his excitement for life, in a sense. is, And he's believable, too. It's like you see a lot of these guys, and you, you kind of see through it, you know what I mean? But, like, when he talked, yep. he shared he shared his vision. It was crystal clear. Yep. And you believed in what he said. And and he kind of backed it up with action, too. Like, when we were in practice, he would, like – I remember during like the pregame, the pre-practice warm-up was like 15, 20 minutes. He'd be on the bike at full sprint while we did our 15, 20, 15, 20 minute warm-up. Like he just kind of backed it up wow. and then yeah. he was energy every single day. Somebody, somebody you really want to cool. play hard for. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a reason why they've had success and they create NBA players in every program he goes to. Left and right. Yep. So what made you, cause obviously like, I mean, you were definitely without question. I feel like after our senior year, good enough to you know play D3 somewhere, you obviously ended up doing that but what made you go from you know I guess how did you go from hey I'm want to go to Tennessee um you know be a basketball manager be a part of something to you know hey I actually still love basketball I want to play it at a high level what made you make the switch like like why didn't you do it your first year in college yeah. and then what made you do it your second year in college I think I experienced like a lot of athletes do nowadays is burnout okay from high school yep um and then I had this Tennessee manager gig lined up and I remember it's like the Third or fourth week we're down there, I buddied up with the walk-ons. Yep. Walk-ons were pretty similar personalities to me and kind of our background of where we came from. And they they didn't let the walk-ons practice down there. So they would go get open gym runs on their own at the rec center or we'd go into Thompson Bowling late at night and play pickup. That's actually awesome. And they and, and the managers that played in high school, they'd invite them. Yep. And I remember, I think we had like five or six walk-ons, and I remember like running with these walk-ons thinking like I, I i belong i belong with these guys or even though they're walk-ons and they don't get to practice i'm like I, I belong here yep you can play and then like that was like probably a month in and then i was experiencing crazy homesickness being being away from home and i remember like sharing all this with my roommate yep talking about capital talk, talking about going back and playing and he's like he's like bro if you want if you want to play like get off your butt quit feeling sorry for yourself get in the gym go to the weight room go do this go do that and i remember from that day like I was on a regimen. I had a workout plan. I was playing. I was shooting. I was like acting like I was a college athlete because I knew I was transferring at that time. Was this the middle? What one was this? This what? was uh, right uh, middle of the year. I went on fall break. What's fall break? Early October. Something, I, vi- yeah, I, I visited like Capitol, talked to Coach Goodwin, and when I came back, I was still going through the homesickness stuff. And I remember like pouting, telling like my roommate my plans, and he's like, "You know, he's like, you, you ain't never gonna do anything if you, if you sit in this room, cooped up, feeling sorry for yourself." And I remember since that day, he kind of spoke life into me. Like I said, I got in a regiment, got a workout plan, played more and more and more and more. And then by the time it was weird because by the time I was ready to leave, I, I fell in love with Tennessee in Knoxville. And yep. I felt like I could have, I would have been fine for four years. I would have loved it. And who knows where my coaching path would have gone if I stayed there. Or just life in general. Or life in general. It's, it's yeah. crazy. You look back and like you make like one decision, how, how it shapes the rest of your life. So it was like, 
Isn't it crazy how when we're junior seniors in high school, how everybody's goal, not necessarily goal, but everybody thinks it's unbelievably cool to get the hell away. Yeah. And then it's like, you want to go away? You want to go south? 75% of the people that leave come back. It's hilarious. I mean, that, I mean it was like I was rock. That was one of the few times I, I would describe rock bottom. Uh-huh. I mean, I was dating a girl at the time and parents were moved to Michigan. So they were like 11, 12 hours away. Girlfriend was University of Dayton. Was that five hours away or whatever it was? So like, I yeah. remember who are you dating, Shan? Okay. So like I it was, forgot. it was, totally it was <laughs> like I was truly rock. My yep. roommate, I mean, he we're still talking to this day. Like he's a, he's a man of faith and he spoke life into me. Went to church together and that stuff. And ever since that pep talk, he probably didn't even know he did this or know the impact it had on me. Yep. But like that moment, you guys still the, keep in touch. Spe- oh yeah, speaking That's those good. speaking words of life into me, like it was like. It's it, funny it, when it things probably click gave, like that. That yep. little talk that he doesn't even know that he probably had it with me. And now, like, my profession is in this sport and the career. Like, everything has been shaped around this sport for me because of probably that pep talk he gave me. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Uh, that's cool that he doesn't even know that. So maybe, yeah, he probably doesn't know it. Maybe he can. Uh, he works the PJ Tour now, and he's he loves golf. Oh, so that's incredible. I'm Good for him. I might give him a call after this and let him know that. I might have to give him a call, too. <laughs> um, shout out Dustin Johnson winning $10 million today. <laughs> but uh, that's really cool. So, and then my, my follow-up to that is, is how did you, you know, I think Ohio is one of those actual rare states. I don't have any information about this. It's just in the back of my head where we have so many uh, D3 schools um, and options, actually. You know, around here you have uh, – what do we have here? We Otterbein. Have, uh, Otterbein. Uh, is Denison D3? Denison Z3, Wits, Springfield, Ohio, Wesleyan. Ohio Northern's like an hour Ohio and a North, half. I mean, you know, Wilmington's just, not too far. There's just a ton in Ohio. I mean, ODU's D2, but back how, in the day it was NAIA. How did you pick Capital? Like, what did – did you talk to the coach? Yeah, Goody, uh, Coach Goodwin, he recruited me a, c- a couple games. Him, So him, I've known his family since I've been like six. Okay. I did not so know that. Nice. my uncle and aunt babysat Dane, Dane Goodwin now at Notre Dame, Mr. Mr. Ohio a couple years ago, yep. babysat Dane as a baby. And so we've known the Goodwin family our whole life. So he, he recruited me a little bit, and he, I had a good enough relationship with him just through through growing up. I told him, like, hey, Coach, like I, I, I don't want to play in college. I appreciate you, like, showing interest, but I'm, I'm, I'm done after this. And when I st- so that was the one Brit one kind of door that was still open for me. So when I when I was thinking about transferring, uh, I t- talked to Goody and visited, and he's a truth teller. And I remember visiting him. He told me what I need to get better at and what, what I need to do. So that door was always kind of open. It was just up to me if I wanted to walk through it or not. Yep. So I, I've known Coach Goody my whole life, and known his family my whole whole life. And Grant and Dane, Addy, their kids. They've uh, they were all high school college athletes. No, Addy wasn't. But yeah, Grant played baseball with Dane's obviously at Notre Dame still. So I've known them my whole life, and that door was always open. It was just up to me, like I said, to walk through it and like really like seize, seize the opportunity. So did you? I mean, when you decided, did you give him a call, you shoot him a text. I'm sure you were uh, nervous. Yeah, I, I gave him a call. I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm like no. hey, coach, yeah. I'm I'm coming back home. I think. Uh, like, can I can I talk to you about playing or or some type of opportunity that you have for me? Yep. And he actually sat me up with a off-campus housing with a bunch of juniors and seniors that were all really, really good players. Mm-hmm. And so he actually set me up pretty nice. What, and, was, uh, that, what was that house called? Eight, the 815 that time. 815. Yeah. I remember that. You were there a couple of times probably. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah we, were, we were out there. And, like, it was uh, – like I said, he's, he, she's a, he's a straight shooter. And he, when I visited over winter uh, fall break, he uh, he told me what I needed to do. But, like, yeah, I'm pretty thankful for him still still letting me come. Fall break freshman year is when you visited. Freshman year. So fall break of, yeah, 07. 07, yep. Right, yeah. I can't believe is, it. Is that graduated in 07? It, it's definitely 07. Uh, that's wild. So then, obviously, you're, you know, the Tennessee, you you, you were still, the whole year you still were a manager, right? Part yeah, of the team. up till, uh That team was good, too, right? Were they a Final Four team that year or was that the next year? That was the year before, I think. Before, okay. So that was Lofton's junior year. The senior year he was going through the, kind of that cancer stuff that he didn't tell anyone about. No, it might have been that year. Do you remember that story when he had... I do remember he had, he had cancer. He had cancer and didn't tell anyone, but, like, 
I think Pearl and Jordan Howell were the seniors on the team. I think it might have been that year. Okay. Um, um, yeah, so I, I did stuff with them until game started mm-hmm. because we were allowed to travel with the team. And so, like, it was a lottery system for managers. And so I kind of took my name out of the hat. Um, so it was up till like, yeah, mid-early November is when I stopped. Early November, okay. Them. And then um, after that, so when did you actually come back to Capitol? And start came back to Cap. That's start next semester, what, January of 08. January of 08, okay. Didn't dress or play because I wanted to save your eligibility. Yep. So I'd just come and watch practice and be a part of it and kind of learn the lingo and vocabulary and culture of the program. Could you even play pickup or anything with the guys or no? Just on your own? It was in season, so no one really played pickup. I remember okay. playing intramurals. It's when I first met Miles Weaver. <laughs> I didn't actually know. This is actually interesting because, you know, my memory – Obviously, I knew you were at Tennessee. Obviously, I knew you were part of the Tennessee squad for a little while. But um, I thought you went the full year there. No, it was just one semester. And then one you, and done. Okay. And then one you, and done. And then you came back and uh, and kind of got into it, I think, in the spring. But, I mean, wow. So it was actually January that year. January, yeah. kind of hopped right in, living on my own in a house, which is really cool. Yep. A um, bunch of guys you don't know at yeah. first. but. Bunch you of couldn't have gotten now. a better roommate than Miles, or maybe no, a worse uh, one. <laughs> I don't think he just know. You know Miles. He didn't talk to me for about a month. Of course. New roommate. I don't think Miles said a word to me. Of um, course. Yeah, started playing intramurals with Miles, and once the spring, once the season was over, I think they went to the Sweet Sixteen that year or second round. Um, but once the season was over, our off-season program started up with lifting and open gyms and playing skill work, and that's when I kind of hopped back in full force. Yep. Gotcha. How did your first year at Capital go? Um, what was that like? Or did, you know, you had, did you have three years of eligibility or four? I had four. Okay. I had four. So my first year was, well, we had, how many seniors we have? Nate, Ryan. We probably had a handful of seniors. Yep. All really good players. Two All-Americans. Um, okay. A sophomore point guard, junior point guard. I can't remember. Seeing a sophomore point guard that year. I'm the new guy. I got, so I was a third point guard on the depth chart. And it's hard to play three point guards. Obviously. At the college level. Um, so I got, I got, I played sparingly when they needed a spark or someone was in foul trouble or if Goody wasn't happy with one of the other guards. I, I got, a, I got a spark. I got, I got a chance. So I was playing, I'd say, not every game, but I was getting some minutes every other game. I think we had a point guard get hurt. So I played extended minutes for a couple games. Yep. Um, I think in conference tournament, I, uh, I, I, I didn't see the floor, and I was really upset about it. So this is a story. <laughs> we're, young. we're 18, 19. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, 18, 19, conference tournament. I think it was like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I can't remember. But we lost Saturday night. I didn't I didn't play a single minute in the conference tournament as a freshman where I thought one of the games I thought I could help us, yep. either defensively or kind of give a spark offense or whatever it was. And I went I went to Lifetime on Sunday <laughs> to play open. I was so pissed off. I just want to get some type of run in. You know what I mean? I want to play. Yep. I want to hoop. I want to put the ball in the rim. Those runs were low-key good, by the way, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, they were good. And yeah. and I came down on someone's foot, and I, I blew I blew my ankle up, like three or four ligaments. Uh, it was like a grade three, and I was on boots and crutches. And I remember going the next day on Monday. I was trying to think of a story to tell Coach Goodwin. Like, I slipped on the curb, or I, I did this, or whatever it was. But I, just, I, I was told the truth. And... Uh, that was not a highlight of my of my capital career. I don't think that I don't think the staff or athletic trainer talked to me till the following like October. I don't doubt it. And so yeah, so, yeah, so wait, immature I, decision to go play, but I was just so pissed off when to get some run in. And were you guys done then? Was no, the so we playing? went to NSA tournament. You, okay, we made gotcha. it, we made it the Sweet Sixteen that year. Lost to UT Dallas uh, in the Sweet Sixteen, and uh, he claims that they could have used me in that game and blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, that was an immature decision. So if anyone's listening, don't go play open gym while your season's still going on. Even if you even are if you're, not playing, even if you're you pissed you off and not playing, <laughs> you never know. You never know. So it was a uh, that's actually a good and it's it's funny because like being 31 now, like we are, it's the maturity level and it's so easy to just say at our age. But when you when you're that age, 
all you're really thinking about is yourself. It's yourself. And you're you're just young and you're fired up and you have all sorts of energy and you're ready to go and um and we'll like you get, said, get some sort of run in. But and we'll probably get into this later when it comes to like my coaching career, but it's it's night and day. So countercultural to what I want to do as a program, as a leader of a program. Like we don't need people caring about themselves. We need them caring about everyone else but themselves. And we have this whole concept of advancing others and submitting to the team instead of your own selfish ambition. So yep. kind of what you're talking about. And it's, I think it's at an all-time high right now with social media and oh. everything these kids are inundated with and the input they get from self mo- self-motivated, self-made, all, all that stuff. So it's uh, we're even fighting it now more so than I think what we were when we were, when we were going through it. So I told you like this, this podcast isn't live yet um, in terms of just me releasing everything, but I created a website with this. My very first article, cause I'm writing articles and stuff too. Okay. I'm doing all sorts of these okay. like blog posts and all this stuff. My very first one, uh, the title of it, I believe um, is social media's darkest hour. Mm. Cause it's, it, we're, it's so we're, funny. We're right in the middle of it. You and I, oh, our our generation, we started when Facebook, the Facebook started. MySpace, like, that's my first social my, media me too. platform. I had MySpace, MySpace too. Yeah. Um, this all happened while we were in high school, mm-hmm. like 14 to 18. And then Twitter came we along. Had, we had AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, yeah. AIM. These kids don't even know about that. They have no idea. <laughs> AIM, screen, no screen names and no way messages. And our whole gener- like generation is the most jacked and it's not even generation it is like us like mm-hmm. our age group we experienced everything yep um at the most interesting times yep so we we're going through all that and then the kids now it's like i said they're so inundated with i think there's a lot of good that comes with social media but there is. i think there's there so can be. it's like not really filtered so i mean they have access to all this nasty stuff and they read about themselves and, and they, they read about, about themselves yep. and they read like how it's all about them and, and the self the self-drive and self-ambition but like we're trying to do a program that's that's the complete opposite of that. It goes against what culture's telling them. So it's really unique and it's one of the fun part of it. It's a challenge, but it's also the fun part that we that we're trying to promote this. It's all it's all kind of biblical and because we're all we're a faith driven staff, like it, that's that's where it comes from. But it's uh it's countercultural and it's not sexy. It's mm-hmm. not cool. It's not rewarded by the outside people to to care about someone else more than you care about yourself. So it's it's we're fighting that with this with this generation, but the rewards at the end of the day, kind of what I talked about with Coach Callahan. I mean, the rewards might not be in their time with us. It might not be five years from now, but hopefully by the time they're men and and, and fathers and husbands that they see, like, it's not about me. Yep. I mean, you can't care about yourself and raise a family. They will. I mean, they will. Um, so I think that's one really, really cool part about maybe not all this whole of them, profession. But, but I would say a lot of them. Yeah, will. for sure. It's, uh, it, it even, I mean, it, it, it hits, it's obviously hit both of us, uh, after we're well done too. So, but, um, Without getting too off track from your, because uh, I want to keep going, kind yeah, of in yeah, unison the here. timeline, yeah. But so your sophomore year played kind of sparingly here and there. Yeah, I think I was in the dog. I think, I, was in the dog I think I was in the doghouse going into the year, so I never uh, going I, into I, junior. Year. I never. Yep. No, going into sophomore year. Sophomore year, okay. Because I was freshman. That's, year. that's right. I forgot. You're so going into the sophomore year was I was coming off my ankle injury. And I think I was in the doghouse and never truly got out of it. Okay. Um. So I was a bomb. I was a grind. I was a bomb. I was lazy. I, I got. I kind of went inward and thought, woe was me. And I was the victim all year. Yep. Um, and I was actually thinking about hanging it up after that year. Really? I didn't know about that. Until okay. an Italy trip. We did Italy trip in the spring. I remember you guys doing the Italy trip. And I had to, like, I, I had to go to it. Like I had, like I wanted to go to Italy. So like I stuck with it solely pretty much for Italy trip. I went to Italy two years ago and it was definitely worth it, but yeah, keep it's going. Great. It's great. <laughs> so I, I stuck with it for the Italy trip. Um, my, no, my mom didn't go to that trip. But did she go? No, she didn't. I can't remember now, but whatever. Um, so my best friends on the team, I'm like, you know what? It, I, that's, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. Of course. And so I get to, I get to Italy and I started every game out there and like Euro ball sounds weird, but like that's kind of my style out there. 
And so I think the rules and the way the game is played and some of the success I had out there, like I started every game and and was pretty good out there. And ever since then, because of my success I had out there, I I chose to stay with it. And then that kind of just, I kept the momentum going in the junior senior year. Gotcha. And then I remember, I I mean, I remember senior year, you got, you guys really doing well. Yeah. Is it, it was the, it's the OAC, right? We won the OAC regular season and conference tournament. And conference. And you were the conference tournament player of the year. Yeah. For the tournament. For the tournament. Yeah. How did so? How did junior year go before we get to senior? I mean, obviously junior, you were starting then, right? Yeah, junior year I was um, starting. Uh, just didn't know my role quite early in the season. Okay, um, just trying to fit in, fit in, do whatever they told me, and then it was kind of apparent. I'd say midway, maybe not even maybe before that. Okay. Scotty Rob was a senior that year, and him and I was yeah, top, top, top the game, and he really cared, and I wanted to do well for him. Kind of that was kind of my. You talked about your dad mo- being your motivator in high yeah, school. Yeah. Like Scotty was kind of man, this is last year. Like we need to be as good as we can for this dude. Yeah. Cause he, he, he gave it, he, he gave it all. I mean, he, he only knows one, one switch and that's on in yep. everything he does. So, um, I kind of noticed that too, cause I've played with two on two against Scotty a couple of yeah, times. That's his life. Very, like a, it's like a switch as, as a physical therapist, as yep. a father, as an interest, like it, it's, it's all in, it's, it's all or nothing with him. So yep. I'm like, I, I owe it to this dude, man. So it was probably like, yeah, I'd say six, seven, eight games in. It's like, well, we need someone to score the ball. <laughs> so I remember I had a couple of big scoring games and I kind of got more aggressive and aggressive as the year went on. Um, so I kind of found my role in that, and we didn't have great leadership, I, I would say that year as well. So it kind of molded me as a leader as well. And then I was an, I was an old guy the following year and we had a, we had a really, really good year given, um, I think we were picked like fourth or fifth in the conference preseason. How many people were in the OAC? Eight, no, 10, okay. eight, eight or 10. I think You're 10 because the top eight make it middle of the pack. And you obviously middle of the pack. That. we won it. We beat John Carroll for the first time in like years, it seems like. So we'd really, a lot of success. And then. Won a game then, say tournament up at Worcester against a really, really good Randolph Macon team. It's top ten every year at that level. So it was a uh, yeah. It kind of all came came together after Italy. Truthfully, that's that was kind of that was, that was a saving grace. Italy was your spark. <laughs> yeah, that was it. E3. That was it. That was it. Um, tell me a little bit more about senior year. Like, obviously, you guys far exceeded expectations. You won a OAC. Yep. You kind of had a banner year too. What do you think were some of the keys that year of making you guys? Um, you know obviously far out achieve what you did yeah another conversation kind of lit me that kind of lit a fire to me that year we we're like three or four or five games in i can't remember we were like probably one and four two and three or whatever it was and i remember goody pulled me coach goodwin pulled me in and he's like kelly i don't i don't i don't give he he used language so, so i don't i won't <laughs> of course i won't use it here but he's like i don't care if you look cool doing it you don't you you're, you're you're more worried about how you look out there and how you're running and your knee sleeves and your your blah blah your wrist tape and blah blah he's like i need you to, i just need to win basketball games for us whatever that means whatever like i just need to win basketball games quit caring about how cool you are and how good you look out there and i remember that i'm like all right like let's get gritty a little bit yeah let's 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 get in the mud here and let's dive on the floor a little bit. Let's, yep. let's win some games, whatever it takes. And I remember that kind of lit a, lit a fire into me. And I remember like probably being ruthless to some of my teammates and underclassmen because after that, it's like, okay, this is my last year of organized basketball. Yep. Coach needs me to do this. This is probably the best for the team. Like me looking good doesn't matter. We need to win basketball games. So after 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 that point, um, we had a stretch. We reeled off like eight or nine wins in a row that year. Um, and we got hot at the right time. We won a lot of games at the right time. Kind of when the schedule flipped over. We played teams twice. When that flipped over, we got really hot, and it kind of catapulted us to the top two, um, and then we held on the rest of the year. It's probably pretty interesting, too, because I bet um, you mentioned it's the last year of organized basketball, but I, I bet looking back on it, you probably are much prouder of 
what transpired there at the end in terms of getting grittier rather than just what you look like. Yeah, no doubt, get, no would, doubt. You wouldn't give a shit I wouldn't have that, that success. We wouldn't yeah. have that success as a program and as a team. Whatsoever. And a lot of stuff went on that year. Coach Gordon had, a, had, a, had his mother die during that year, and we had some other program things go on, and it kind of held us all together. Yep. And so it was kind of a special year on top of the success we had. Got it. Um, so then you, you guys obviously – you mentioned you won eight or nine in a row. You're you're kind of snaking around and playing the teams twice again, moving yep. into the conference tournament. Yep. Tell me about the conference tournament a little bit. So, um, in D three, you know, there's is do all ten teams get in? Do only some of them get eight, in? Eight, eight of the ten. Eight of the ten. That year they changed the format, so it used to be quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Okay. And that year, the top so what would that be? Top two teams or top f- top four? Yep. Automatically have a buy into the semi. No, top two. Okay. Were you guys top two? We were top two. Okay. We won, yeah, we, we, we won the regular season. So we had a top two. So our first game was actually the semifinals. Semifinal. And yeah. that was against Ohio Northern at home. And because we were top seed, we hosted. We actually split the regular season with John Carroll, but they got the one seed because of whatever the tiebreaker was or whatever it Something. was. Yeah. So they lost in the semis. So wow. we ho- they lost to Wilmington. So we hosted the championship game. You guys must have been pretty hyped about that. In the that. finals. It was, it was cool. We didn't have to travel. didn't have to go up John Carroll. We, we'd never won there in my entire career. Yep. Um, so we hosted Wilmington. And they had a stud, 6'6", six, six dude, 6'7", six, just a freak. And we had a really good game plan, and we had a lot of time to prep for him. And we just played really well that game, really well. What Was there, was there a come? I, I, I don't remember this vividly. I obviously, you know, we have same type of friend circle and stuff, and I remember something going. But was the f- semifinal game or the final game really close, and was there a comeback at the end? The semifinal was close. There was a couple of big moments. Yeah, yeah. And the semifinal gets Ohio Northern. Okay. And they had some local guys, too, so the crowd was pretty good there. Yep. Um, yeah, so we had a... Wilmington, we kind of led the whole game, but Ohio Northern was kind of neck and neck, and there were some big moments late that were kind of impactful. So, yeah, that was probably that game you're talking about. Zig was popping off after. <laughs> Zig was popping <laughs> off. Um, no, that's cool. So, uh, obviously, won the tournament. I think the one thing with sports, and it happened with me in high school because I really, you know, I don't know, maybe I could have played D3 somewhere in some sort of sport. But yep. for me, I, I kind of knew at the end of high school, I was like, okay, my sporting career is done. My organized sporting career. Yeah. Um, but for you, same, you know, same thing, but now you're in college and done. But I think when it, when it ends, it ends quickly and it's abrupt. abruptly. It's abrupt. And as an athlete, you kind of don't know what to do. Cause you don't know, you know, I, you've probably identified yourself as an athlete for 22 years, 23 years at that point, And then boom, it's done. And you can't really prepare for it. Right. You I can't. mean, it's, yep. it's something that you said you've done for. doesn't matter if you're a D1 athlete, it, D3 it, athlete. It's, it's been so habit and second nature. It's what you identified wrongfully as a private person and a student that you're an athlete first and yep. like i said that's that's wrong but it's probably truth and in, in, in reality at the same time but yeah when it i remember when it ended because we, we, we won the first round and then we were at worcester okay and worcester's in this the is pro- the tournament now right the yeah. actual uh and tournament, tournament. Okay. Yep. Yep. yep so we won the opening round of 64 then we played in the second round of 32 that's cool i actually never knew this so i never knew there were 64 oh yeah there's teams. like a show and everything that's so awesome. it's i never knew that okay it's really good it, it, it's cool that. yeah there's yeah. a show and i remember like watching the show as a team for your seating and ranking and blah 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 and who you play do you remember what you were ranked actually i, I take that back they don't rank you okay. they, you just you see your matchup and how do they how do they pick the matchups any idea uh, regionally is one okay and then i don't know after that if there's some criteria or whatnot but got it worcester host so the, the top seed they don't host. They don't really give seeds, but you know who the top seed is because they host your pod. Okay. And so four teams go to these sites, and it was Worcester, Randolph, Macon, us, and I can't remember the fourth team who Worcester beat in the opening round. Okay. Beat Randolph, Macon, and kind of a late, a late kind of hectic game as well. 
played Worcester. Worcester packs the gym every game. There's like 3,000 people there. Wow. Um, local guys as well. I went to a couple. I think you went to maybe a Worcester camp with Basketball me. Basketball camp, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, which were kind of cool back in the day. And so we lost like yeah. a 12-point game there, 11-point game. But like you said, I remember the emotions. I remember I subbing out with like a minute left when the game was obviously it's over. Like, and I remember like <laughs> – You're it, tearing up. It, no it all hits you, man. Yeah. It all hits you. And your friends are there and this, the a lot of students are there and people that you've like known for four or five years through Capital. It's just like – it's all over. Yep. It's all done. And uh, at that point, I was only taking one class because I was a fifth-year senior. So, like, basketball was all I did second semester. And when that was over, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, what what's going on? So, had – okay. Now, had you been thinking about – I mean, everybody does. But had you been thinking seriously about what's next at that time? Um, were you done with no, your undergrad? No, <laughs> not really because uh, obviously your probably next step in life is what a job. Yeah. It's, it's real life <laughs> and i didn't know what i wanted to do at that time i thought i had an interest in like strength i do i still do but i thought i wanted to like pursue this performance coach strength conditioning coach like go d1 go professional with it or whatever um i remember you being into that for a little yeah, while but was, I remember, that, was that your first thing yeah after? that was it that was it and i remember the spring coming around it's like i i didn't feel comfortable about that like i didn't do enough in undergrad like as a resume builder to like get anything really mm-hmm. and i didn't know what i wanted to do so i started applying to grad schools yeah and so illinois state Shout out Redbirds, one of my favorite two years of my entire life out there. Yep. Um, I got a GA position out there, school paid for, stipend and everything, and that's where I got kind of started my coaching career as well. So, I mean, I went to – It's like we talked about already, like every decision shapes your life, and if I didn't go to grad school or out there, I probably wouldn't be in coaching. I'd be doing something completely different. And do it. It's just crazy, as we talk about this, kind of go through our timeline that every decision has a ripple effect, and that was definitely one of them as well. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about this because I remember vividly um, at that point kind of in our lives, me, you and I were not very close, um, but we're you know we've always still been friends and stuff. But I remember you going out to Illinois State – and having, you know, just from our friend circle, you very much enjoying life then. Yeah. Um, it was like I, a big I, school experience. I yep. didn't get it. Even though Capitol's a big, big city. I don't know anything about Illinois State. but yeah, It's like an OU. It's like 20,000 kids. Okay. It's in the Missouri Valley. So it's it's a good athletic conference. There's stuff to do there. And Bloomington, Bloomington Normal is the name of the city. They're kind of side-by-side cities. Is it Southern Illinois, Northern? Right in the middle. middle right okay. in the middle of the state. Gotcha. Uh, yep. So it's like, a, it's like a college town. It's 20,000 kids. It's like a Mac school. Got it. So it's, and, it's, uh, a, it's a good size school a lot of chicago kids come down because it's kind of like like ou like columbus a lot of columbus kids go to ou it's kind of like that like uh chicago suburb suburban kids go down to either champaign which is where u of i is yep or come down to isu and it was there's a downtown life there's a social life there's plenty to do there there's an independent baseball independent baseball team there that you can kind of go there on the weekends uh and then the d3 school where i coached at why do you there why do you think you had such a better experience with that um, in grad school as opposed to being in Knoxville. That's a good question because I yeah. thought going out there, I was terrified. I bet. And I bet you were probably thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to feel the same way. I'm going to wake up with that pit yep. in my stomach every morning. Homesick. Yep. I think maturity. I mean, okay. I was 22 at that point. Um, I got ingrained at ISU really quickly. So my GA was actually running the intramural program at okay. ISU. And my boss was great, which allowed me to coach and run that at the same time. But being in the rec center every single day, you meet students, you meet people. I met a big uh, – my friends to this day, group we played noon hoops with. Yep. Undergrad, graduate, faculty, staff, whatever it was. Like, we had a friend group, and I created connections really, really quick. And then I got involved at Illinois Wesleyan, uh, met some alumni there, and met a lot of good people there. So I think maturity, and then I kind of just got ingrained and my feet wet really, really quick. At Tennessee, I kind of sat in my room and didn't really explore that. Yep. But I was forced to, just given my role as an intramural director, I meet, obviously, a ton of students doing that. 
um, being in the rec center, brand new rec center, beautiful rec center, like a year old when I got there. So you see students walk in the doors every single day. You meet students. So it was really cool um, kind of getting thrown into the fire socially. Mm-hmm. And then classes were great. Our professors were awesome there. And I think just, it was like a perfect storm maturity. And then my job forced me to kind of explore that more. I feel like it's funny. And I still notice this now in my own life too, but I feel like it's funny how much we kind of change and you could say mature, but like from 18 to 22, 23, it's just crazy. The level For of sure. Like I was an introvert. I would describe myself back in the day, an introvert cooped up in my basement playing video games. <laughs> and now like <laughs> I, I, cra- I crave people. I crave relationship. I crave communication with people. That's why this quarantine has been tough because it's kind of cut that away from me. But I just think I've like grown and matured. That's the I, podcast. I, <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, be, I became an extrovert, and I think ISU and my time in Bloomington Normal kind of unpacked that for me. Got it. So did you say that um, – did you mention – you know, you mentioned all the things you were doing at um, Illinois State, but did you start coaching then? Were you? I actually coached my second year. Second year. I, first, try, I tried to go on the first year. First uh, year, what were you doing? I was just doing intramurals. Intramurals. Okay. Intramurals, playing a lot of pickups. So that actually, I didn't touch a bat until – we lost my senior year. Yep. I didn't touch a basketball until I got to grad school. Got it. Okay. So I was done with the game. I've got like, I need, I need a time off. 12, 18 L- months. Lifted hard. Got, got as big as I ever was. And then I got to grad school. It's like, all right, I'm going to pick this thing back up. Yep. Um, Illinois Wesleyan was a really good program. D3 program. They're top 10 every year. I mean, their facilities are D1 type stuff. Did you move from Illinois State to Illinois Wesleyan or did you do two years at Illinois State? Two, two years at Illinois State. Got it. So and I mean, you went to Illinois it's literally Wesleyan. like uh, yep. campuses are half mile apart. Got it. Okay. Half mile apart. Next so it's like if Capital was on High Street. High Estate type thing. Yep. Yep. Got it. Um, first year, I tried to get my foot in the door. Didn't know anyone. I sent like blanket emails to, to the coaching staff there. Never heard back. Um, one of the second year GAs at Illinois State was really good friends with a guy named Sean Johnson, who's actually the AD of development at Illinois State now. Okay. Uh, he was an all-region player at Illinois Wesleyan, kind of big name in the community. And I during my first year, I got to buddy up with him. And the, I made the connection with him, and then he kind of put a word. He put a word in for me with Coach Rose, who's the head coach at Wesleyan, and that's how I got put in my door uh, in the summertime of my second year. Got it. And you said were you assistant coaching by then? Yeah, uh, I was. Just, so we had they, we had a, they had assistant. They had like we had two or three assistants in the GA. Got it. We staff of four or five. And, and you weren't the GA, and you were the assistant. No, on the no, staff. the GA was there. It was pretty much so how Illinois Wesleyan worked. Yep. You did your your schooling at Illinois State, but you did your GA at Wesleyan. Understand. Got so it. So yep. he, he did that for two years, um, and then we had two or three assistants on, on top of him. Understand. How long were you uh, at Illinois Wesleyan, then? One year. Just, just that one year. Went to the Final Four, had a lot of success. And like I said, my, my, my boss or director at ISU let me go there whenever I wanted to. So if I had a, we had a midday workout or midday practice, I could leave work at ISU and go over there. So he was really instrumental, giving me that flexibility to kind of pursue this coaching thing that once I got into it, one, because I run such a good program at Illinois Wesleyan, yep. I fell in love with that aspect of it. It was so different from Capital. We both had success. Capital's done completely differently compared to what Wesleyan did. And in my opinion, like the way Wesleyan does it, it's, does it, it's a model program of how it's supposed to be done. And I mm-hmm. fell in love with that culture and that program literally from like the second workout. And I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. So you went from, you went out to Illinois, uh, state Illinois in general, mm-hmm. but you went out to Illinois state and you started basically having the mindset you're done with basketball. It all comes kind of crashing down to an end Yep. and you start lifting. You're like, I want to be a performance coach. Yep. Uh, you know, go D one, do all this stuff. And, um, kind of make my name for myself in that way. But by the end, and you spent, was it three total years in Illinois or two? Two. Two total years two in Illinois. Year, yeah. And by the end, your second year when you were actually coaching at Illinois Wesleyan, would you say that was the time, and I think basically what you're 
telling me um, before, but would you say that's the time where you're like, okay, you know, coaching is something that I actually really enjoy. Illinois Wesleyan has a very strong program and this is something I can see myself doing. For sure. Um, I've made a bunch of relationships with the players at Illinois Wesleyan. One is still a really good friend of mine. These, this day actually brought me, he came to Columbus for a year, coached me for a year at Ohio Dominican, but just the connections I made there and the relationships, um, that was one thing that I never really experienced before being a first year coach. Yep. And then in the NSA tournament, because we made the final four that year, we had a game, and this is like the first actual like X's and O's coaching like moment I had. We had we hosted the first four rounds. We hosted the 64, 32, Sweet 16, Elite Eight because we had a really good record. And I had a Elite Eight scout. They gave me the team that we didn't think was going to win. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do all this work for nothing because the other team's gonna win because they're much better. And then like I wasted hours and hours and late nights of film and study and scouting report. <laughs> and my the team I had won. And I remember the coaches like awesome. looking around like, you got this? I'm like, yeah, I got this. And I remember like leading some segments in practice and like giving suggestions about how to guard. They ran like a really goofy kind of spread offense and a lot of suggestions about what we should do and how we should guard them. And in that moment, we, we beat them by like 12 or 15 to go to the final four. And that was a moment. It's like, okay, this, this, this is really cool. It's like, a dopamine kick, isn't it? I had a, I had a hand like in a this. High. Like I'm calling stuff out in the bench. I'm calling sets out. Their team's running. I'm like, guys are coming to me for questions now instead of going to like our GA or other assistant. Yep. It's a high, isn't it's it? It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's something you don't really get in a normal, I'm saying normal job because coach, I don't think coaching is anything. Coaching is a lifestyle, not really a job. It is. Yeah. I would say. And, uh, Good question. Like you said, the dopamine or the adrenaline kick, or just something so simple like that. And I found my first as head coach, just like you drop a play and it works. You probably don't think by the time you're done playing that you could get that as a coach. No, I mean it's it's it. a competitive yeah. drive that that keeps keeps you going as when you get in the coaching world and like that that draw that 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 adrenaline you're talking about, just so simple as like you do something well in a game. And it's like okay, we spent six hours of that this entire week in practice, and like we we do it in a game, like. It's like a proud moment. Makes it all worth it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's, and that was my first time experiencing that. And then that was the game that took us to the Final Four. And then and then we went out there. So it was just like – and that, that that's rare. Like no one goes to the Final Four as a first year – as a volunteer coach at this point. But sure. like there's a lot of people that are in this for 30, 40 years that never experienced the success that I had as a first-year volunteer coach. I think I was kind of – was Illinois or Wesleyan? Were they D two or D three? They're D three. D three. They're D three, okay. and their their conference is really really good out there. And uh, like I said, I think it was just that first year, that success. Like, it's like okay, this is I want to build something like this because this culture and program is ran the right way. And then the success coupled with that, it's like okay, this is I I, I want to do this. That's good. Um, but so after that's over, you know, obviously you're it's something you want to do, like you just said. What were you kind of thinking of? You know, you're done with your two years. Uh, did Illinois Wesleyan not have a position open? Because it sounds like it went so well that you probably would have stayed if they had an yeah. assistant open. But what made you come back to Ohio? So I was like two years. So when I went to grad school, just to delay life for two years, I was back <laughs> in that exact same situation. Like, okay, I can't, I can get my PhD and stay in school, or yep. I can try to figure this out. Um, so at the time, this was after the Final Four. Success usually takes you a long way in coaching. Um, Coach Goodwin asked me to come back to Capital as like a part time volunteer or part time assistant in the hopes to get me to the full-time assistant uh, coach at ODU at the time, Dan Evans was my boss for five, six years. Ultimately, I obviously chose to come back home. He reached out to me okay. about joining their staff. And then coach Rose at Wesley and said, Hey, you did a great job. Like we'll find money for you somehow, whether it's camp money or we'll fundraise for, for p- p- some, some money for you. So I was kind of juggling with three, posi- with three positions. Um, obviously coming back home was really enticing for me. 
even as much I loved. So at that point in time, you missed home. You wanted to come back. I didn't miss home because I loved that place so much in, in Illinois. Sure. I had a serious girlfriend at the time. Um, and coming back home, obviously, just Columbus, I'm I'm such a homer. I think this this city's one of the best in the country. Do you ever listen to No Laying Up by chance? No. Have you, do you know what it is? No, I have no idea. Okay, you know who Chris Solomon is from our high school? Yeah. Chris Solomon actually has the most popular golf, golf podcast in the world. Really? They're like sponsored by Callaway. He does it here in town. No, no, no. He's down in Florida now, and like okay. Delray Beach or something. He, so you know, you know, you yeah, Sully, yeah. He probably makes hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions, off this podcast. It's nuts, all the things they do. But he, they did an entire episode. They've never done one on Columbus, and they did one on. He's like the way to describe Columbus is it's just like a really good city and quality of life yeah, in a sense. I agree with that. Obviously we grew up here. I think growing up here, you kind of get bored of where you, you know, Yeah. and I've never left personally, but um, I've visited, I think, I don't know how many different States now. I well more than half. You're a world traveler now. I am very well traveled. <laughs> yeah. With your age, you just, you just keep traveling. It is. Uh, but anyway, I just, it's, there's something about Columbus that just, yeah, there is. I mean, we, we put together like a list of tops and stuff. Columbus fault lands on in New York times, like 2019. In the entire world, Columbus was in the top 50 of places to go in the entire world. It was really cool. Like You think of all like the really cool cities you want to go to overseas and yep. across the globe. And Columbus, Ohio made that list. It's crazy. Which is really, really cool. Um, it's growing massively, too. It's growing. Way, and just Almost way too much. But, I mean, it's a good The sign. advancement of like transportation and everything. I mean, it's, just, it's just a really good place. Um, yep. So, that being said, like I'm a homer here. I think this place is really spectacular. Yep. Um, so, that ultimately drove my decision, plus, plus Dan Evans. I talked about um, is is Dan Evans the coach at OD? Was he, he was the coach at he OD was yeah, he was the head coach. So he just got done yeah. his first year there. Um, got it. And we this talked is, we talked on the phone. This is what 2015. This is This is probably March April of 2014. Okay. Yep. I was done in May, early May. We, I graduated from grad school, and we're talking kind of springtime is when coaches get jobs. Yep. So it's kind of the sweet spot. Um, and we talked multiple times on the phone, and I just believed in what he was trying to build. I've, you know, ODU's history like yep. they were terrible. Yep. Um, winning three, four, five games, maybe a year. And he took this job coming from a really successful Division II program in Michigan okay. where they won league titles and were winning 20 games. Why did he do that, would you say? Head job. He was assistant at the He was place. assistant at the – okay. Won to run his own program. He was young. He was 30 at the time. We took the OD – 30, 31, we took took the job at ODU, so similar to me when, I, age, t- yeah. when I took my job. Um, and he just casted vision, and I believed it. And I ultimately chose to go there and move back home and – we had a lot of success in our five years together. That's awesome. Um, your kind of describe your five years of assistant coaching at ODU. What was your role? What did you, you know, I feel like assistant coaches, you have your own specialty. It could be recruiting. It could be performance lifting, you know, whatever. Uh, it could be defense. It could be all all the above, but where, where, where was your niche? I'm sure it kind of changed, but where, where, where was your niche? And then kind of, how did it grow over the Yeah, It expanded, obviously. I mean, the more trust you build up over five years, you get more and more on your plate, but a small college assistant, I mean, you're doing, you're doing the whole gamut. You're always a recruiter first and foremost. You're always recruiting year round every day. Okay. Always doing that. You're always developing your players. And then you're just finding ways to make your program better and serve your head coach. Like those, I would say those are the three responsibilities. And then you have the like one off like laundry every day, stuff like that. You're sweeping the floor. You're doing all that stuff. I don't work. Yeah. I did the strength conditioning program because I loved it. Um, most assistants do that, but like you have so many hats, but I'd say your most, your, your, your three biggest ones are always recruiting, always developing your players and then just finding solutions and ways to either to, to serve your head coach and then make your program better. 
I have a question around recruiting at the D2 level yep. and even D3, but I would yep. say D2 especially. I have always – this is a really interesting thing with basketball compared to even football or uh, any other sport. Baseball, I'd, I'd say maybe it's somewhat similar, but a lot of people go pro when they're actually really, really good at 18. But with basketball, there are so many good players, but size just dominates kind of the whole equation a lot yep. of times. Um, you know, there there's just not enough – D1 teams to be able to fit the D1 players. Yeah. But how do you actually, when you're recruiting, you know, right now you're a head coach, do you, you're recruiting. Um, how do you actually find players that, you know, could fit your program, but ultimately, you know, some could go D1, some could be fringe D1. Like, how do you actually, you know, what's, how do you find your niche in terms of recruiting and like the player that would actually fit your school? Yeah. There's a feel for it for sure. And that takes time. Cause you don't want to go like, and this is what I mean. Everybody, you know, go ahead. Everybody um, wants Zion Williamson on their team. <laughs> Everybody wants R.J. Barrett on their team. Um, everybody wants to get these primetime players. But when you're coaching Ohio Dominican, there is absolutely no way that, you know, a Zion Williamson, an R.J. Barrett, uh, a Ja Morant is going to go to your school. It's just – it's unpractical. You know, Ja Morant went low-level D1, but – you're not going to get these guys that are high-end D1 performers actually, you know, being interested in, in a um, Division two school. So how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you, you know, say, okay, we have no chance of that guy, and then now, um, you know, I think we actually have a chance at, you know, X, Y, Z. It's kind of a lot that goes into it. So nowadays, there's all these recruiting services. Okay, I um, figured this. That was that was something. So yeah. that's kind of a starting point where they they list or kind of classify four classes so right now the senior class is class of 2021 so there's rankings for 2021 2022 23 24 gotcha. and based off their evaluations of these players they kind of slot them high major mid-major low major d2 plus d2 d2 minus d3 so that's kind of a starting point if you're for the younger classes we'll start there kind of gather lists multiple multiple lists from all these scouting services around the, around the states look at these guys that they slot at the low major D2 plus, D2, D2 minus. And then so we started evaluating those guys junior year. So high school, junior year, spring season of AU, summer season of AU, and then senior season of high school ball. So it's kind of goes it kind of goes in segments. Um, but we found if we're watching a spring AAU event and we think a kid's really good, he's probably too good for us. Is he? Okay. Yeah. So if, if he stands out, That's in the, a good way to look at. If yeah, he stands okay. out in the spring, he's probably too good for us. We'll stay on him, recruit him, and we try to get as many kids on on campus in the summer that we can so they get to know us and build that relationship but that's kind of one thing if you think he's really good in the spring he's probably he's probably going to be too good for you uh come summer or, or the following fall it's it's interesting too at d2 like non-d1 um guys don't get full rides for uh actual athletic scholarships correct we can you can, we can okay. yeah so fully awesome. fun fully okay. funded our levels 10 scholarships never knew that so it's d3 is the one you just d3 can. you get none yeah. yeah so a lot of schools i mean there's each school has their own uh scholarship structure yep where you can kind of stretch your money or extend your money or all that stuff. But yeah, we're fully funded schools have 10. Uh, we are allowed to give parts. So D one's all or none. Okay. We're allowed to give partials. So we can give kids 80% of a scholarship, 60%, 10%, whatever we would deem them as, as uh, you said, you worthy. See, so you can give 10 full ones, right? If fully funded schools. Yep. Would you say over the course of your five years that you've always had 10 fully funded scholarships or is it normally no, like six, no. seven, and then you have schools. Like schools operate definitely just seven, given the, given the resources and, and and the kind of the health and wealth of their school. 
But um, some guys, like, you just you have to have them. So you're some like, guys, yeah, if, yeah, yeah it you, is what it is. There's some schools around here that if they offer them, then you got to give that kid a full just to compete with, with the type of offers they're getting. So sure. you, you learn how to play the game. You you learn, you need to trust your eye. I bet that's eye. fun, too, by the yeah. way. Yeah. You, need, yeah. you need to trust your eye, first and foremost, get multiple evaluations. So we'll watch a kid. Before we offer a kid, we'll watch a kid. Oh, man. Our sophomore point guard right now is named Sean Marks Molentangy. Really good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably watched him. 30-something times one summer, 30 separate games, and then into high school ball. We, we recruit him as a junior, so junior, 30-something games is senior year of AAU in the summer, and then he committed in August, but, I mean, you still got to go watch him and support him throughout the year. But, I mean, we watch a kid. We won't offer a kid unless we watch him play probably 10, 15, 20 times at least. That's awesome. At least. And, the, like, you were talking about the big guys. Bigs are level really, really hard to recruit because if you're above like six, 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 seven, I, and, 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 you're, and yeah. you and you look good already, a D one's gonna take a shot on you. So that that niche is tough for us. I mean, most bigs are slow to develop anyway. Uh, slow feet, heavy hands, heavy feet, uh, not quite coordinated yet. Yep. So um, that position's hard to recruit our level. I, I imagine, uh, without question, that has to be slow feet. Yeah. Is there been a guy who would you say? I mean, you can name a name if you want. Yeah. Uh, but has there been a guy that you're like, we got no chance in hell? I don't even know if he should be D two. He 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 plays like a D one player. But has there been a guy that you've gotten that you just were like, we have no business getting this guy, and we got him. We were so excited about it. We've had a we've had some players that we believe are Division one guys. Sure. Yep. That, that we just stay on them and just do what we're supposed to do with them and and love them up and show them what we have to offer and how much we care and, and where they fit into our program. So I'd say over my time, we've had six or seven guys that we probably believe, hey, you're probably a Division One talent. For some reasons, they didn't see it in you or you're an inch too short or you're three inches less on your wingspan or you're a step too slow. But like, You can also probably sell them on, hey, look, man, you could be very, very fringe D1 and ride the pine or you right. can come here come and be here, a star. Have a career. Yeah, yeah. And the good, the good schools at our level, you look at their roster – and by the time these kids are juniors, like the Finleys and Walsh's, those are some of the better names in our program. Uh, Cedarville's getting really good. Hillsdale, like yep. by the time these kids are juniors, if you can't look at these guys and be like, they have four Division One players in the roster. Sure. And that's what it takes to be good at this level. So like by the time I said you're a junior, like you should feel to be successful at the Division Two. Like Division Two basketball is really good. Sure. And if to be successful, you got to look at your roster. And be like we probably have a handful of Division One guys right now. Sure. And that comes with development and maturity and just these guys learning the college game. And I bet that really differentiates the guys that actually know the game in terms of how to For get sure. get some of those fringe D one guys. Um, That's the hardest thing to evaluate, rather than the other the, schools. The IQ and the feel. I mean, we we'll we'll spend twenty games and still like this guy. Can yeah. he make the right pass? Can can he make the right decision? Can, yeah. can you see that? Or like, and that's the hardest thing to evaluate, um, especially in AU basketball, because a lot of kids are out there trying to do it on their own and of course and get theirs that they say. Of but, course. So yeah, that yeah. feel piece that you're talking about, that IQ, yep. that's one of the hardest things to evaluate for us. So, you're an assistant for four or five years. I think it was five years. Five total. Yep. Yep. And then um, did you say his name was Evans. Dan, Dan Evans. Dan yep. Evans. Uh, where does he move? He. So I'll kind of tell you this story. Um, he was there for six. Okay. As the head coach, we won the league. His fourth or fifth year, I can't remember now. Um, won the league that year. Pretty special year. Won twenty games. Turned the program around literally from a three. He took it over from a three-win team. His fourth or fifth year there, I can't remember. Like I said, he won 20 games and we won a conference championship. So he had some opportunity the following year, two years later. Um, pretty ironic too. I talked about my sophomore year at Capitol when I was one to walk away from the game. Uh, five years as an assistant coach. 
you you kind of there's not much more to do you know what i mean like we we knew each other well we got this place to a championship contending we were champions but like we're contending every year now like we're top half of the league we kind of like squeezed everything out of each other we could um so sophomore year like the, the way i was going to walk from the game i remember going to talk to coach evans i'm like i'm like dan like i think my next step's a head coach but like you're still here i don't really see, it's so hard to get that first head coaching job and i'm like this I'm, is your sophomore year of being an assistant coach this is my him? fifth year. This is my fifth year. So this is fifth year. Got it. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so this is March or April of what year to get it? 2019 or whatever it was going into my, my first year as head coach. So I, I approached him ago. like, yeah. we kind of got everything. Like we had a great run. Like we did a lot together, a lot of great things. I feel like I'm ready. I don't feel like I'm giving you what you should at this point, given like, cause we were so comfortable with each other. We knew how we operated. It's just like time kind of took its course. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and I was going to walk away from the game again. So just like sophomore year at Capitol. I was going to walk away. I walked about fast forward seven, eight years, whatever and it was. Do something totally outside of basketball. Yeah. I reached wow. out to a couple of financial advisors. Um, they were really successful, the fa- family friends. Yep. And I had two interviews with them. But I remember when I had that coach would talk at, I had that talk with Coach Evans. He's like, hold on, hold, 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 just, just wait, just wait. Give me, give me a month or so and I might have something up, up my sleeve. And so in the process, he kind of sent out a couple just resumes and, and applied for a couple head coaching jobs not in this region so usually like you get head coaching jobs in your region because you have those connections yep so he sent one i think his wife actually told him to so shout out amy for, for doing this <laughs> um university of north georgia okay it's a, it's are a, they from there or is there any no no connection at all they're okay. from chicago and hillsdale up in michigan um so he grew up in chicago she grew up she, she grew up in hillsdale up in michigan and uh so this is i mean that's a huge move for them yeah, so it's like nowhere. this facility's brand new. I mean, they have a D1 type bowl arena. They don't have volleyball, they don't have football. So like basketball is kind of a thing. Sure. Every other sport's really good. Baseball's good, softball's good, women's basketball's really good. He just applied on a whim, got a call back, and it just happened that like two or three weeks later after the the, the he applied, there we hosted ODU hosted the final four for D two on the women's side. Okay. In North Georgia happened to be in the final four so as he was going through the interview process um They're, they come up they here. come up and so he got to have some conversations probably and uh that's really cool and it all kind of happened and then i kind of stayed with it stayed with it stayed with it and he ultimately got the job and i remember he was at the final four so the final four is a big like social networking connecting type thing in the coaching world so that was in, sure. Ma- it was yep. in minneapolis that year and he called me at like seven thirty in the morning. I'm on the way. To, I'm, I'm on my way to church. He goes, you, ne- you you need to meet me at school right now. I'm like, well, almost. At, I'm, I'm almost at church. And I get, like, I go, what's what's going on? He's like, no, you need to meet me at church. All right, at, at school. school, at school. Yeah. And him and his wife are there. And he looked rugged because he just drove like sixteen hours from Minneapolis, like the <sighs> night the night before. And he told me he he got offered the job and accepted on the spot. And he's like, do you want this job here? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so like again, I'm walking away from the game, but the good Lord just keeps bringing me back and keep, like this game. Yeah. I can't, I can't get away from this game. And this, and like it was a six week interview, not interview process, but kind of like it was a weird, really odd six weeks going from this transitioning, but I wasn't official yet. And I had to interview and apply and I had to go through the whole thing and I had to go through the interview com- committee and meet a bunch of people. So that time was really, really unique. And I'm still running the program. Like I am the head coach, so I'm not officially the head coach. Yep. So it taught me a lot. Um, that was kind of my first interview. I had to sit in really ever. Yeah. Um, they're, they're interesting. Interviews. They are, they are going through like different people and then the whole committee, which I know I've, I've been there for five years, so I know everyone, but trying to sell like my new vision and like 
we did a lot of good things, but like, how, what, what am I going to do differently and all that stuff? And our players went for bat. They went to bat for me. They wrote a letter and they each signed it. And that's awesome. Other coaches in the league sent some emails on my behalf. So a lot of good things are going on, but it's just that unique time to like, I'm You're also op- nervous because you want it. Now. I want it. I'm operating as the head coach, but I'm not the head coach. The AD really can't tell me anything just because of HR rules and all that stuff. So like, am I going to get this? Am I not? Like, what if I don't get this, am I going to stay and be the assistant to this guy who I, who got the job over me? So I'm just, a lot of questions are going on and ultimately like early May, late April, um, they extend the offer to me. That's really cool, man. Um, really, really cool. Interviewing is so interesting because I remember being young and interviewing, but then I always tell people now, interviewing is actually my favorite part about any job. It was fun. Because it actually was fun. I think people that are nervous at first, because I think the next time you interview, you will feel really, really good about it. And I'll elaborate in that. The people that are really nervous are the people that aren't as confident in themselves. And now that you're a head coach and you've kind of you know what your you know what your staples are. You like you said, you know what type of program you want to run. Yep. You know, you know, where your passions are. The next time you interview, it'll be a breeze, even if you don't get the job. Right. I think the confidence of, piece you said, part. and they're probably underprepared yep. as well. Without so question. I had like a 10-page document of everything, like everything that touched our program. I came up with like a 10-page document. I had like, a, I had like a, a sheet that summarized everything, and I made nice graphics and everything. That was like the immediate, and then like a five-year vision on the opposite side. But every, I got a document, literally, that everything that touched our program, from academics to fundraising to staffing, you name it, yep. it's in this document. And I kind of slapped it on the table, and I walked my interviews. And I think that preparation, I mean, it's it's important, but then it also helped me like get my thoughts in, sure. li- in line as well. You know what you want to yeah, talk mission, about. Yeah, mission, vision, core value, all that stuff. Um, it helps you. And like anything, I'm a big, I don't do it. I need to be so much better at it. I think writing is a fantastic tool, like journaling and writing. I don't, like I said, I want to be better at it. I've really fallen into love, not love, but I've really fallen or taken a liking to writing too. Man, it helps you just like thoughts stick and points stick and you can revisit it and remind yourself. And like, I guess I need to be better at it, but like having all that on paper just like was training me and preparing me for the interview. So you're the head coach now, get the job. Um, How'd you find out? Somebody call you, AD? Did, That's uh, a good question. Evans Holy call crap. you. Wow, no. How did I find out? Because obviously it's a euphoria moment, I imagine. Yeah, I my, mean, office like, my office is right next to the AD. I don't even, I truthfully don't remember okay. how I first found out. Wasn't a text, wasn't a call? No it was in person. It was okay. in person, but I don't remember like what that conversation was or You're probably coaching when, the team it, when, it, when it was. I, I don't remember that. Um. Yeah, that's kind of funny now that I'm thinking about it. I don't remember that conversation really. I remember sitting in an office, but I don't. I don't remember like. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I'll uh, I'll tell you this. Like I did one of these podcasts with two of my buddies, and we did it about sports betting, and we can remember every single one of the losses, but we can't remember the, the wins, wins <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah. probably what this moment yeah, is like. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have any any idea, but and I remember like having having the staff over or the the staff at the time over that night, and like we celebrated and. We're a bunch of young dudes. We were excited for the journey. We knew it was going to be kind of not a rebuild, but like we were going to do things differently. Yep. And it was kind of Put a year stamp on the program. Yeah, it was unique because I've been there for five years. So like the, the host ass- is running to the bathroom too. keep talking. Yeah. The assistant um, going from assistant to head coach, you got to draw a different line in the sand. You know what I mean? So it was uh, drawing that line in the sand because the assistant, you go from being the being the player's buddy in a way. Uh, you have those life talks with them. You, they can come chill in your office for two, three hours in between classes or just hang out, watch a game with you. But as a head coach, you got to draw that line and you got to have that authority piece of it. Um, so I struggled with that early, but it was uh, you learned so much your first year. And I think uh, 
the guys we have moving forward are really bought into what we're doing and they're 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 two feet in so it's uh like I said, going from the being in, being in the same program, going from assistant to head coach, it's a really good thing, but also has some some issues with it as well. Sure, I bet. Um, how many how many assistants did you have first year? Three, four. We had Anthony Fairhurst, Adam Sitlack, Ethan Quinn last year, and so yeah, me and Ant are thirty, and then Adam and Ethan are both twenty four, twenty five. Okay, and then um, I want to ask you about, I want, I want to ask you about them too, but uh, at first I want to ask, how did, how did the first year go? You know, you put, like you said, you put your own stamp on it. You're going to run the program a little bit differently. What, um, you know, what was, were you guys about 500 your first year? No, we were, we were a little below it. We had a, I mean, I did a bad, I did a, not our guys. I I thought we were going to be, we had really good players and we scheduled a bear of a non-conference. We, we, we murdered you. Number one seed in the region, number three, number two seed in the region next door. Like we just had a schedule. If we kicked it up, we'd have been over 500. But I don't think that teaches you anything, or you sure. don't you don't really find out who you are. Um, so I did a probably a poor job in that in my first year, but it was good for us. Um, but it's just the challenge is is. And what did you learn your first year? I said I'd say coaching. Wow, so much. I, so I, so, I much, that's, so much. That's an extended. Uh, question. Yeah, I'm gonna keep answering the last question, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll, I'll touch on that. Cool. Yep. Um, it went well though. It's just I think the two struggles I ran into is my voice is different than what they've been hearing for three, four years. And my voice comes from a guy who was always their boy in a way. And now it's the guy telling them to, they're not, they're not doing things to a level that we expect. They're not good enough on this particular day. I'm kicking them out of practice. So stuff like that. I went from being like, Whoa, 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 what happened to Kel? That was like my boy and pulled me aside and like telling me I'm good. Now he's going to, now it's this dude like kicking me out of practice and, and benching. Like, you know what I mean? It's just that, that voice is different. Um, it's the same voice, but the role has changed. And I think, um, our older guys struggled with, with, with that change of leadership. I think that's pretty natural too. I've, I actually had a couple people like that in, uh, I say the real world, but in, you know, fortune 100 america where they're your colleagues and then they go from your boss it's hard and it is you know you want to be friends but you can't be friends right you got to be the authoritative figure you can still be supportive you can still be you know xyz and pat him on the back and you know but talking about things it's really weird because you can't in a sense you can't actually talk to them like your friends anymore right you can but right. it's more of hey you got to be and i actually think this is very very important in all lines of work you got to be a little afraid of your boss because if you're not afraid of them and you're very comfortable um with them that's that's not a good thing and i mean and by boss i mean your players and yeah. i'm not saying that they should live in fear of you but you should have something two three percent out of the hundred percent of how you see this guy yeah. should say I, sh- I can't go out tonight and smoke a whole bunch of marijuana <laughs> and come into practice the next day and expect my boy Kelly to just be cool with it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's got to be, yep. you got to have some accountability there. So. For sure. No doubt about it. Um, so first year you, you'd say it was a struggle. Just, just learning. And yep. it's just one of those things because it is brand new. Like you feel so prepared going into it. Yep. Like I had a notebook for five years, notebook of things when I become a head coach, what I would do differently from practice drills to terminology to offenses to defenses to discipline to account like I had a notebook of all this stuff yep and as prepared as you feel you're still never ready which I feel like any new role especially in leadership yep it's uncharted territory it's it's new water so like as like I said as much as you feel like you're ready and prepared you're you're never not I mean sure. you never completely are and I think I experienced that a little bit um and it really allowed me this off season uh, quarantine allowed me to do this a lot which which I'm thankful for 
is kind of evaluate and assess myself and the program from year one to year two. And I, we're already doing stuff differently. Culture already feels much, much different. Language is much, much different in terms of we're all speaking the same language, saying the same things. What we're emphasizing is much different. So a lot of this stuff, um, like I said, I thought I was prepared for it. You're not ever fully prepared for it. And I had a good long quarantine to, to evaluate this. I bet. So my, my, uh, my next question too is how has managing a program been, uh, through a pandemic through kind of everything we're going through right now. It's so funny. Like in the United States, this is so unique to our country. I feel like, I mean, it's not unique, but election years, just batshit stuff happens all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. Things just start going crazy, but you know, throwing a pandemic in there has really thrown a wrench into a lot of people. How has coaching been? I remember talking to you immediately right when the pandemic happened back in March, April, um, and you kind of mentioned, you know, an update about your assistant coaches and stuff. Where, where does that sit right now? Um, where do your players sit? How are you kind of coping? Where's the program? Kind of what's the what's the status quo? Yeah, I'll talk about our staff first. Uh, so we just left. We just lost our head assistant. So Anthony, uh, yep. Coach Ferris, had to – didn't have to, I'm sorry. Uh, they were pregnant. Him and, his new, him and his new wife were pregnant, and she got a job opportunity down in West Virginia when they thought they couldn't pass up. Yep. So he moved out. She started September 2nd, I believe. So they moved down there. and This is very recent. Yeah, timing wasn't – Timing was terrible. I mentioned kind of spring being that sweet spot for hiring coaches. Uh, so when you lose your head assistant a week before students report back to campus, uh, it brings some issues. So no doubt. I, I just promoted everyone else up and uh, told them this is going to be kind of a, a year to evaluate. It's kind of like an interview year for you. If, if, if you if you handle business and operate to a level uh, that I think you, you deserve it, then we'll keep everything as is. But if not, we'll bring in new coaches and, and you can be a part of the interview process, but I'll bring someone else in. So they coach Sitlack and coach Quinn both responded really well. Uh, they've, they've been great so far um, with what we're trying to do. So you have two right now, two right now. We'll probably keep it just us three. Got um, it. So us three will be it. But for a little while, I don't know how much you can speak on this, but for, I remember talking to you that you were actually the only coach for a little bit with ODU. Yeah. That- just, I think just the state of, of COVID and what sure. it did to organizations and corporations and, and universities included crushed everybody. Um, they had to make some changes and, and make some how long, temp- temporary how long, decisions that how, affa- affected our program. How long was that? And then when did it get back to, I would say normal with you guys? When did it get back? To yeah, your, it was uh, a, got back to normal time. June 15th. So it was two months or so. Probably say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just you. And then how did that work? Cause obviously like when it's just you, you, you know, when you were assistant coach or even your first year head coach, you, when you're the leader of something, I feel like you are obviously the guy making the final call with everything, but really what you're doing is delegating responsibility as well. So now it's instead of actually having all these guys to help, you know, scratch your back, it is just you. How did, was that kind of, I wouldn't even say fearful, but was it, you know, how did, how did that process work for you for those couple months and then getting them back? Um, how did, you know, how was that transition? Yeah. I'll talk about just that leadership style you talked about. I think very much so if you're on a program for a day, I am big proponent of giving my assistants a lot of responsibility in terms of, um, one, it covers up my weaknesses, what I don't do well. So I give, I give that to them. Um, so I can focus on the stuff I do do. I, I do well. And then stuff that I, I deem is most impactful to the program. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're on our program for a day, you'll, our, our assistants voices are, might be right now might be heard more than mine on a day-to-day basis and i just give them a lot of expenses because one they need that credibility and they need that voice so when it is time to hold someone accountable or lead a practice drill or make a call in a game guys will listen to them because they've heard their voice 
all the way up to that point. Um, so I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you talked you talked about that. And then um, during the pandemic, it wasn't all that stressful because our students were gone. I mean, they were all home. We had workouts we were doing. Did from you always home. think you're going to get coaches back though, or did you think? Yeah, hey, no, no, going to be me. No, they said we'd get them back, and and okay. and we obviously did. But it was it was um, more just constant communication, Got making it. sure guys are doing the right things, checking in on them. We had Zoom calls every. It changed from Wednesday nights to Thursday nights, from weekly basis to a biweekly basis. But it was just kind of keeping that communication open and making sure we're on the same page because we're obviously going through something that no one's experienced before. Yep. Um, so just keeping them engaged and knowing that like, Hey, this program's still here for you. Uh, we're all in this together. Um, so that was, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Zoom. I got introduced to zoom really quick and, and that was fun to see. Zoom, Zoom's an awesome app. See faces again and, and have the guys, uh, kind of be on the same page when it comes, when it comes to seeing each other. And we looped in our freshman when it became, uh, compliant with, with NCA to do that. So it was, uh, it also kind of gave us a weird, like, get our guys involved probably earlier than what it would if it wasn't a pandemic. Are you guys now allowed playing basketball? Are they allowed? We're small groups right now. Okay. Um, so we got a whole COVID protocol for our program, but we're small groups. You don't go over five. Um, so it's good to be back on the floor with them, but we missed that team. So as of last this past Saturday, we were supposed to do our first team practice. But uh, now is that is for all is that all for D two or just an Ohio rule? All for, for what? So obviously you're at the D two level and there's D two all over the country is kind of I'm I'm basically just quoting about where we are we're in the Big Ten and we're not yeah. playing football yeah which so is it's, it's kind of based off but, uni- yeah. uni- university and, and league okay so gotcha. our university said at first it was a two week transition period say do small groups for two weeks if you have no outbreaks if you guys are good then you can go to team stuff um, obviously it was inevitable that this the virus hits our campus sure so yeah, we had anywhere. a couple positive cases so they said hey hold off on team stuff indefinitely so we're still working on small groups in the weight room on the floor. But it's uh, we can still put in our stuff, still still work on our fundamentals, and and, and get our terminology down with our, with, with with our young guys. Are they playing football at ODU this fall or no? We got pushed. Any, our fall got pushed back to spring. Okay. So gotcha. shortened season, five game season to keep a year of eligibility for guys if they choose to use it. But most small private institutions in the state went to a five game spring schedule. I was talking about two of my other friends. I was I mentioned my nationwide buddies that were had on, and they are without question the two biggest. Um, college basketball fans I know without question and it's funny because they they're both about 40 and <laughs> they are obsessed with college basketball um, at the D1 level they love March Madness they're yeah. junkies and we're we're kind of talking about this in depth too um, on a recent pod and they both think that college hoops is probably going to start January 1st it's not going to start in November you know traditionally whenever it does what are your kind of thoughts on that do you think it's going to be a traditional schedule or do you think they'll push it back I do not think it'll be traditional okay I've heard and is talking to some some people in the profession at, at multiple levels. They think a sweet spot is from Thanksgiving to Christmas because okay. schools, most schools, I know our our whole most of our conference, and I know D ones have as well. Notre Dame was the first to do this. They're not bringing students back after Thanksgiving. Interesting. So, okay. So you finish you your weeks you finish like you. you finish like your last yeah two three weeks online do finals online, and they think because you can create kind of your own bubble on campus, you th- basketball being the only students that should be around still. They think that's a sweet spot to get as many games in as they can. So I know a lot of conferences have proposed this bubble plan. I like that actually. Where they go, they go to a site. Like a lot. They play three or four games in like a, a week period. Return back to campus for a week to prepare to heal whatever you got to do. And then go back to a bubble site. So that's a talk right now to get like eight, nine, ten games in in that sweet spot. Um, the January first thing, I think it makes sense, but I just don't know when students return to campus. Come the second week of January, whatever it is, like we're just going to see a new 
you make a great point with the bubble because you'll just see more cases. Yeah, I mean, when you when yeah. kids come back, being home, New Year's Eve parties, Christmas parties, being back home with their boys. When you return all those kids back to campus, who knows what to bring them back? And I just don't. I just think there's going to be a re-socialization period that might last one, two, three months. So I, I don't think anyone's playing any sports in January. But that, that, that's that's just my opinion. I also think we're going to be in for a rude awakening once the election ends. I think a lot of <laughs> it's going to be funny, but I think a lot of this is going to die down. I really do. Yeah. But yeah. that's here and here. We'll see. Um, but <laughs> we'll see anyway, that. uh, so that's actually a very, I did not think about that, but you're right. If they're, if ODU is not, and most of these other schools are not going to bring back students. Yep. Why would you not just start then? Yeah. So they're trying there and then maybe give them a couple weeks to give you guys a couple weeks to get in. I mean, you're probably already playing by then, but give you guys a couple weeks and then maybe early December without question. I could see. Yeah. So they're trying to keep, yeah. they're trying to do that to keep us under 11. So 11 is our eligibility number in terms of if we play under 11, our guys don't use a year of eligibility. So they want to play like eight, nine, ten in that time and then reevaluate the landscape come January 1st. Like I said, 11 um, games, correct? Yep. 11 players. games. Yeah, 11 games. games. And, reevaluate come January. That's a really good idea, actually. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, there's also there's, all, there's obviously some hoops to jump through and resources, and there's a financial component to all that stuff. And logistically, getting everyone involved in this bubble is, is, is tough. But the idea is great. Mm-hmm. The people putting the – I know our conference is talking about it, the people doing the work. I really appreciate what they're doing. Um, I hope I hope it can happen. So we're because right I now do, I really do too. So right now we're, we're like we tell our guys we're, we're we're preparing for some type of season. I don't know what that looks like, but like we're preparing for that. So if we can give our guys that, that would be awesome. Yeah, that no, that's, that sounds really really good. Um, what? Uh, how many games do you normally play? You said the eleven eligibility. That's the kind of cutoff. But how many games do you normally play in D two? Like last year, last year we played twenty seven. 27 regular season or is that that was, t- that, that was total okay. so t- we played 26 regular season and then our, our first game in the conference so give uh, or take you're playing 25 games yeah you get, you get 28 but then you get like a two game there's rules for d2 you get two game exemption if it's a conference, conference crossover tournament blah 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 so okay the gotcha. year we won it we were 20 and 12 20 and 10 i can't remember so we played almost 30 that year okay gotcha so yeah anywhere from like 26 to if you win it you're probably playing 35 36 games or something interesting um very very cool what so you're one you said you're two you're kind of you're you've you had some time to evaluate yourself you're implementing new things you said you're already seeing some different results you lost your head assistant we're going through a pandemic we don't even know if we're playing we hope we're playing um i love that uh that own little mini bubble um, around thanksgiving to christmas time get eight to ten games in see what's up after that what can odu fans what can people that um you know follow basketball with ODU you know your players your parents what what can what do you think everybody can expect with uh with your team this year on the floor you're talking specifically or yeah I mean you can even say it all encompassing yeah, yeah. Could do floor we uh and everything yeah. six we have 20 guys in our program first of all which we're a small wow. army we're a small yeah. army we're yeah. a small army which, which which is great I love it um we're a big family small army a lot of runs you yeah almost, you almost need like three gyms we have a uh, six <laughs> 16 of those 20 are either fre- sure. 16 of those 20 are either freshmen or sophomores okay wow so very we, young we have young legs we have guys that this is why i think in ter- i talked about our culture earlier yep guys that are just buying in from day one and they're impressionable i say that for in a good, in a good way yep um we talk about we're, we're a two feet program we we're all in in two feet and then we're big right now playing off two feet so uh, we're, nice. we say we, we say we're like that. we say we're a two feet program, and these young guys are buying in. We have great leadership from the four guys that are older. Okay. Uh, so it's a really unique time right now. We're we have old leadership, but we're young um, across the board. So we're playing differently offensively. We're pretty we're pretty athletic. I'd say it's the most athletic team we've had in my time here. Okay. We're big on the wings. We're big at the guard spots. We're pretty versatile at the four and five. So we're gonna 
probably switch more defensively, um, get up a little more, pressure the ball a little more, just play a five. I'd say a, a more sounds like our senior enjoy, year. Yeah, similar, more enjoyable. Thing. We actually talked about five in five out because we're so deep. We think, um, but our athleticism too, in terms of like <laughs> that was actually the most fun I feel like I've had playing basketball in just terms of. Because when you're just throwing the ball into a big guy, it's like okay, right, on. right, <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> not, well, anybody could do this, but when you're uh, when you're running nonstop and basically creating havoc, it's fun. Yeah, we have guards so. that can make a lot of good decisions that we trust. We have wings that can make plays for us, and we have bigs that are buying into their role. And whether they're spacing the floor like a, a screen roll guy, or getting guys open, or catching on a roll, or if we do want to throw it in the block, we have guys that can make a play down there. So, um, floor is going to be pretty open this year. The way we're going to play. Uh, quick to say i mean if, if you've watched like the jazz a little bit this postseason oh yeah uh, the Spider heat mitchell the, the yeah, way the heat pl- the way the heat play and the way they use like bam and some of their bigger I love guys the way he play i love the um, way that he play nba spacing is a little different so um but yeah similar to kind of kind of that stuff just bring really versatile. like we don't have lineups that one through five creating is, mismatches basically is what you're doing yeah we may have a lineup where one through five is six four six six like we have a six four point guard and then across the board will be six four six five six six and just switching stuff and hopefully being really hard to score on and then like you said creating mismatches and, and taking advantage of some of the other team's weaknesses on, on that end what uh, what what um conferences uh are you in for the G- GMAC, the Great Midwest Conference. GMAC, a good post- podcaster would know that going in. But uh, <laughs> uh, so where's uh, give me a number? I mean, where's uh, where's uh, o- do you, where do you where do you see you guys this year? Oof, man, uh, how many games are we playing? Fuck it, let's just say <laughs> we're, we're, we're playing twenty six. I got we're, we're playing the full boat. It's funny, we talked about this as staff the other day. Like I could yeah. see us because we we are and we truly believe like we have a talented group. That's good. Young talent. We're yep. young. We're young. Like I said, our older guys bring a different dimension that, that we need right now. So I could see us like these guys figured out, and we real if we're playing twenty six, I could see us being the mid mid upper teens. Yep. Or these young guys take some <laughs> take, take, take knock on wood a, long, a longer time to figure it out, and we we take our bumps and bruises, and they learn from it. So um, I never want to put a number on, on on a prediction, but like I think those two scenarios are, are real. Like we we figure it out, and we just ride this thing. Or we we figure out that we're really young and and we're not quite ready, but you have to be ready given our, given our, what our roster is and all that stuff. So um, we're excited for it. We're really excited for it. Either way, I didn't think you were going to give me a number, but I had to ask anyway. <laughs> um, that's cool though. I think uh, I really think kind of your story. It's so funny because like I I know a lot about you from a high level and especially you know I would say at least through age twenty. Like obviously we grew up together. We've mm-hmm. known each other for twenty twenty five years, but. I feel like doing this, I learned a lot about you too yeah, um, yeah. that I didn't know, especially you know even a year ago with basketball. So you learn a lot. You, you, you learn a lot through your twenties, right? It's, I mean, oh, you, you learn a lot through your twenties. Twenties are uh, they're an interesting time. They shape you, and I truly believe that. And I do too. I had a lot oh. of good things, a lot of bad things happened in that time that have brought me here. So it's it's cool. It's cool to reflect that, like 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 we have. It's been it's been really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, anything else you'd like to uh, to add in? It could be ODU. Oh, it could man. be anything. You know what? What would you? I guess. What would you like to? Uh, what would you like to? A message to people out there. I don't know how, you know. Uh, I would say, diverse or. Um, I don't even know if, what I'm even asking, but uh, <laughs> I would say, you know, what would you? What would you like to? You know, what would you like to say to anybody that is, uh, kind of a fan of college hoops? That it could be ODU, it could be anybody. Um, what would you kind of want to say to somebody out there who uh, mm. is? kind of patiently either trying to play college hoops or in high school, they're a fan. What would you kind of, what would, what would a message be that you'd like to give out to people that I, are I think kind of going a, through all this? I think you said a good word with that patient stuff. I mean, people, any type of leadership, they're trying to make decisions that are one, keep student athletes and whether it's professional or college or high school, 
they're trying to they're, they're they're trying to make informed decisions. Obviously, this is brand new for everyone, so we don't have the necessary information that we need. Yep. Um, so I think the patient thing and just just trust that people are making the right decisions and and let's just be on board. I mean, the hardest thing right now, I think we're seeing across the country, is, is division and almost everything whether it's playing a big 10 conference schedule or playing football at all, or, I mean, you name it, there's division everywhere. So I think the most, the best we can do is one of our core values is being aligned and unified um, and just being on board, just, just submitting to whatever the leadership, whatever position it is, is submitting to their decision and let's be on board with it. I mean, someone's going to be wrong. Someone's going to be, you're going to piss someone else off, but like the more that we can get on board and be aligned with any type of decision, um, that any type of leadership's making. I mean, that, that's going to be the best thing and try to just steer this ship. And I'm, I'm talking the whole country with everything going on. I mean, it's a, it's kind of alarming and it's sad, but um, I think alignment and unity can go a long way, especially through this pandemic. That's a, uh, that's a great message to end it on, buddy. Did you have fun doing this? I did. This was great. <laughs> so this was, I, was gonna, I was trying to think of questions to ask you, but I, I, I didn't come prepared. How long either, do you so. think we went for? We, we, we over an hour? Oh, well over. Are we really? What are we at? Uh, I think we're about an hour and 45. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's crazy how quick oh, wow. these go. This is great. This is a blast. This I appreciate fun. it. Thanks um, for having me again. I yeah, appreciate it. Definitely. Kelly Winter, head basketball coach, Ohio Dominican. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Hope to do one of these again, either mid-season, maybe before the season or after the season, and we can kind of get an update on you guys. Love to. I appreciate it. Yeah. We out. Peace.